I hey, uh, just before we get started, uh, I, I was looking. I don't know if you got a copy of this too, or I, I was going through some old files, and I um I, I forgot a, to update the the grunt work address. It's still sending to Los Angeles. Oh shit! I'm okay. I haven't checked that PO box in uh, <laughs> oh god a couple years. Uh, okay, there might be yeah, th- there might be a lot of ads there, or at least old back issues of Maxim Magazine that I put on our account. Um, Gross. so anyway, I <laughs> look. It was tw- it was 2017, man. I was a different person then. Um, but no, look, I was going through my files. I found uh our podcasting agreement, it, which is you know this is the one mm. from from back in 2017. Remember when we yeah. accidentally killed the previous hosts of Grunt Work a podcast? Yeah, the TV yeah, series I remember. Improvement. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it's pretty cool. We came out of that. Like that, our only issue coming out of that was that we then, you know, picked up their business card and had to become the new hosts of Grunt Work, a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. I was expecting to go I, to jail. I, I mean, yes, agreed. But I'm also for the last five years just looking over my shoulders for the next couple of saps that are going to kill us and take our business card. Yeah, look, you come at the king, you best not miss. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Also, we're 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 being smart about it because we're in different locations. It's like yes. how the president and the vice president can't both like be on the same plane. You know, there's always going to be, <laughs> you got to get us both at once. Anyway, uh, the, the point is I was looking over it and I found a, a, a new fine print clause in here. It's like, it's real. I had Uh-oh. to use an electron microscope to see it, but it turns out that because we recorded a podcast a couple years ago about the movie, the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. Yeah. Uh, well, it says here that if we don't record a podcast about the Santa Claus 2 by Christmas Eve, all of our episodes of Grunt Work are going to get deleted off Spotify, and we're going to have to start the podcast again, season oh, one, episode no. one. I for half a second there, I thought we were free. I no, 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 no. If it if it were only that easy, no. I think I think the only freedom is when the other the, the next Grunt Work guys kill us. But um, I, I mean. I don't know. I mean, I think our two options are either we redo the entire podcast or no. we've got to watch Santa Claus 2. <sighs> if we gotta. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I know that you've still got a job, but I've figured out a cool way to make a clone version of you who can keep doing your job while we dedicate all of our attention Thank to uh, making this that, podcast. Can the clone watch Santa Claus 2? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. I checked. That's a, there's that's the third. There's another clause. There's a subclause, a clone clause. <laughs> Truman, Landon, we're here today to talk about <laughs> what? What are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about Santa Claus too. Yeah, I here's. <sighs> I love it when he makes these noises, folks. You know, you know, it's going to be a real cracking episode <laughs> when the anguished sighs are beginning within the first five minutes of the show. I have three pages of notes, and good God, I think. 75 or more percent are questions <laughs> so the only only note i think that isn't a question is just simply in all caps molly shannon yeah <laughs> yeah uh but i think this is where i want to start i want to start with this question santa claus 2 that's a statement. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus 2, 2002. Mm, a lot of twos. <laughs> Definitely. And we're recording in 2022. 
Okay, I, you circle these. The all of the all of the Clausenon folks are, are tracking these coincidences. It all means <laughs> something. This is eight years after the original. <laughs> yeah, man. America just America couldn't get enough. They waited a little while, but they wanted more. Why bring back the Santa Claus after eight years? I mean. Okay, I, I have I have the reason. Uh, you do, I, yeah. I, I, have I, a, I have a suspicion, but if you okay. have the actual reason, I, I'm dying to hear it. Well, I don't know. Unless you want my suspicion first. No, give me your gi- okay. Give me your suspicion first, and we'll see if okay. that's. I, okay, when I say I have the reason, by the way, that's just basically me believing that I know exactly why it happened. It's not based <laughs> in any facts. This is all 100 percent conjecture. Okay. So I have a suspicion. You have speculation. We're gonna meet yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Just just yeah. Um. Here's my suspicion, and it's going to come out in the form of uh, Tim Allen's credits. Okay. We've got Home Improvement, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. Then we've got The Santa Claus in 1994, mm. a surprise breakout holiday hit. And uh, it, the following year, in, in As Story. in, like, it was, a, it was a big hit. Like, it made a, a back a bunch of its money. I don't look at these things. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a it was a surprise hit. Uh, okay. It was a little film. We talked about this in the previous one. I don't expect you to remember, but um, <laughs> Did, it, I certainly didn't go back and listen to it. <laughs> okay, so it it had a yeah, it, it made back a lot of money. It was a big hit for the holiday season of 1994. Yeah, um, it, which I think opened the door in Disney's mind to casting Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear the next mm, year in Toy Story. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, then we go into, you know, he, he's continuing with Home Improvement, doing appearances on some TV shows, goes into Jungle to Jungle in 1997. Mm. Not a great film, but no. it still turned a profit. Uh, <laughs> then the, the questionable for richer or poorer, which we covered. <laughs> questionable is, uh, we also had a lot of questions about that movie. Yeah. But then something happens. 1999 comes around. Mm-hmm. The end of Home Improvement happens. And simultaneously, so does Toy Story 2 and Galaxy Quest. Yep, yep, And for some reason, between those three things, Tim Allen is launched as the biggest movie star in Hollywood. Yeah. That might be exaggerating a little bit. but At least, like, one of the biggest comedic stars at the time. Uh, So, okay, that's 1999. Then, uh, the year 2000, he has some Buzz Lightyear uh, little one-off voices. And he, he veers into the indie world mm-hmm. with Who is Cletus Tout in 2001. It's a you know little indie distribution. Um, didn't make a big splash critically or financially at all. Yeah. He rejoins with um, John Pasquin to be in Joe Somebody. Yeah. A comedy of sorts. Uh, <laughs> a man down on his luck sort of thing um he gets you know it's it's a bully comedy basically mm-hmm. and that does okay but it it doesn't it doesn't set the world on fire yeah but then in 2002 he does big trouble uh with with barry levinson or i'm sorry barry sonnenfeld yes and that one is uh, more critically appraised but still fails to make a big profit I think wasn't a big part of that the fact that a key plot line is like a bomb on yes. a plane and the movie came out a week after 9-11? Something like that, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was pushed to the following year. Yeah. So that became troublesome. So really, big troublesome. from 1999 to 2002, that's three years of a career 
at the moment that your stardom is at the highest. And the projects that you spent your time on during that period have all gone under. Mm-hmm. I To your point now, I think it makes perfect logical sense to go, I need something that is a surefire catapult back to the top. Why don't we go back to the thing that made me a movie star in the first place, the Santa yeah. Claus 2? Yeah. That's I my mean, suspicion. I, no, and that's, I mean, yeah, okay, then my suspicion comes at it from the other direction. I think that while all of that is true, I also think that Disney was just eager to make more money and saw that he was a <laughs> he was a box office draw based off of the success of the first movie and then... The the first movie, the Santa Claus, was was made at a time when um, the strategy of selling a movie wasn't based on creating IP and then making a number of of sequels to it and a TV series and everything. Back then, they just made mm-hmm. movies to make a movie and then would, you know, maybe make a sequel if it was successful enough. I I don't know. I just think it was something that they, that they had not initially considered until they saw how much money he could make them with with Toy Story and saw, okay, well, he didn't do well in these other original properties, but why don't we go back to the... He, they like him as Santa Claus. Let's try that again. So both he was desperate for it and Disney was uh, eager to try it because money is good. Yeah. Well, allegedly. again, speculation. I, I, yeah. I don't want to attribute the term desperate to him if he wasn't. I mean, I'm sure... He's riding high in that that home improvement uh, money, so desperation's all relative. Yeah, no, de- desperate. No, desperate is the wrong word. His career is in a good place. He's had a couple of movies that didn't do super well, but also uh, like Buzz Lightyear is just culturally then and now a huge figure who he's always associated yeah. with. So he's like he's always going to be kind of an A list uh, level just based off of that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I do think that that in some way. Uh, puts him in an icon level to a degree, you know. Yeah. Well, while we're at it, while we're talking about Tim Allen, isn't it just kind of funny that one of like okay, the number one most iconic character he plays, Buzz Lightyear, a brash space soldier who you know is is full of himself and 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 is you know <laughs> it, it makes sense like that makes sense that is like yes yeah. Tim Allen yep. is really good at that. Then, like, the other character he's most famous for, aside from Home Improvement, where he's more or less playing himself, is Santa Claus. <laughs> like, it's just, who is, the, who is the actor who who is most culturally associated with playing Santa Claus? You wouldn't expect it to be Tim Allen, you know? You'd think... Yeah, you know, this is... I, I think before the Santa Claus, it was probably... Very subjective. It was like, what was the the big Santa movie that you experienced growing up? Before the Santa Claus, for me, it was Richard Attenborough because uh, mm. he played Santa Claus in A Miracle on Forty Seven Forty Second Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the eighties or nineties, I think. So that's that's kind of who I had in mind until, uh, until well, I I mean, not even until just. That's who I have in mind. That that's the image that I conjure when I think of a screen Santa Claus. I, yeah, honestly, I'm trying to think of like a an, a movie Santa Claus. There, Santa Claus didn't really feature into a lot of the Christmas movies that my family watched growing up. So I don't think I really had had a Santa Claus in mind before that. No. Other than like, no. <laughs> I, he didn't have a uh, Alberto uh, Rabagalti from the Christmas that almost wasn't. No, no, that one didn't make it in. I guess the only other on-screen Santa Claus is the mean 
department store Santa in a Christmas story who kind of kicks oh, Ralphie in the head. Oh, ho, ho. Which, and that is kind of a Tim Allen vibe. I could totally see <laughs> Tim Allen, say, like, because he's kind of a mean to Santa. He's mean to these kids who he works with. Uh, or who work for him. Let's let's yes. be real about this, the power dynamic. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that answers the question of why they, they went back to this well. I mean, it's not... I, I think, honestly, it's weirder to me that there is currently Avatar 2 in theaters. <laughs> yes, agreed. A sequel to a film that came out when I was a sophomore in college. You know, that, that makes... That is a lot stranger to me than the fact that Disney would go back to something that was a big hit with someone who was still super relevant. Yeah, agreed. But problem as one, you've texted, question one answered. <laughs> to lift the, the veil, this leads us to the next question, which you've texted and, and mentioned to me a number of times. And I don't know if I'm I'm doxing you by uh, uh, bringing it up now, but your question has been, who is this for? Mm. That, yeah, no, you're not you're not doxing me by bringing that up because it's not like my <laughs> my address is included in that. <laughs> um <laughs> A, a very good question, yes, and one that I asked again and again. And now, because I, I, evidently you've done your if homework. If you know the listen. answer, send your responses to Chairman Caps, care of grunt work at <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's that the only reason you shouldn't send it there is because it's that P.O. box that I still have not cleaned out. I'm pretty oh, sure right. there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a raccoon living in there now uh, among <laughs> the uh, the nested remains of a lot of podcast hosting bills. Um I don't I don't know who I don't know who the movie is for. It's a but I now you did your homework though. You actually listened to our previous Santa Claus episode. Did we ask that same question then? You you toyed around it, yeah. Uh okay. pun intended. Uh <laughs> oh yeah, because it's about a toy executive. Ah. Uh yeah, but I I think I don't know. To me, what we kind of arrived at in that and what I kind of arrived at independently of it is that one made more sense in that they were still making family films in that it wasn't so hyper-targeted at, like, this is specifically for four- to seven-year-olds. Actually, Mm. that's a weird demographic, but, like... (laughs) That is odd. That's that's the algorithm for you, though. Yeah, 12- to 14-year-olds, like, uh, that (laughs) live in middle-class America. Like, that's what I feel like they're making now. At the time, it was just like, what's a a feel-good holiday entertainment that the entire family can go and enjoy? Yeah. I don't really feel like they make that anymore. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. Westworld was really doing poorly with four to seven year olds, which is why they they canceled it and took it off HBO Max. <laughs> but okay, to tanking. bring it back to this film, though, I, I think that we're we're in two thousand two. The yes. premiere of this was on October twenty seventh, mm. two thousand two. So right in time for Halloween. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think we were in kind of a middle ground uh, from that. You know, make the make films for the entire family and the hyper demographic that we're living in now um, where it's almost skating by on, well, these are the things that have worked in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They haven't found out the kind of Marvel location of it all yet of this is how you make a successful sequel. And this is how you build on a universe. And this is how you address, you know, do lip service to your fans. And um, that, has come to fruition in the Santa Clauses, which I guess we should mention is currently being broadcast while we're recording this. Yes. I mean, I, I think that, honestly, this series kind of, you can see Hollywood learning how to sequelize a thing and yeah. how to create 
uh, a marketable IP universe in real time because the original Santa Claus is just kind of like, oh, this is a f- neat concept. And then the Santa Claus 2 was, okay, let's add some new shit to that original concept so we can do it again yeah. and introduce some new characters. And then the third one, it's like, okay, let's expand. Yeah, you know, we added some characters in the last one and we expanded that universe. Let's bring in more people. They're, they're just growing it and making it, uh, you know, adding new people to follow and new uh, new shit to do. It's weird, and I wanna, I wanna break that open more in the third one. Uh, and I will just say for folks, let's let's pull back the veil yet again. Uh, in terms of where you and I are coming to this, at Te- tear tear down the veil entirely. Yes, <laughs> I made the life mistake of watching <laughs> Santa Claus two and three back to back on a Sunday, and wish that I hadn't given up one of my two weekend days to do that. That's. Um, that you, is a, that is a true life mistake. You were smart in going. I'm going to watch Santa Claus two before we record the Santa Claus two episode, and then I'm going to watch Santa Claus three and record the Santa Claus three episode. And you know, smart is a questionable term, Landon, because <laughs> on the one hand, it gives me the advantage of coming in very fresh and having yeah. a clear picture of only the movie we're going to talk about. The downside is that I now know that I have to wake up tomorrow morning because we're recording back to back ahead of the holidays, sit down on the couch with a bowl of cereal and pop on the Santa Claus three. And it's it's that makes it hard. If today was any yeah. if, if this morning is any indicator, it's hard to get out of bed when you know the first thing you're gonna do that day is watch a Tim Allen movie. Oh my that god. That isn't Toy Story or Galaxy Quest. Okay, watch a Santa Claus movie. I'm sorry, Mr. Allen. Uh it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I, I don't wanna give listeners the impression that this is just gonna be a two hour bitch fest. Uh it's not I mean, (laughs) well, no, I'm okay. Well, so I think Landon, you might actually be giving people that impression. I don't know. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at this movie. I think this movie, there's actually a lot of this movie. I actually found very enjoyable and hilarious. And, and, and honestly, very refreshing. And I want to talk about that because I think there's, I, 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 yeah, there was a bunch of this movie. I enjoyed and a bunch of my complaints about this movie are the same shit that I complain about on home improve on home improvement on grunt work, uh, which is this podcast. It's what it's the shit I complain about in home improvement episodes. I'm not um, gonna lie. This this movie got me a couple times. I there were a few like very surprising laughs. Yeah. Uh, again, Molly Shannon. Uh, yeah. Di- just never fails to deliver. Um, air dropped into the middle of the movie. <laughs> yep. And just airlifted right back out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Evacuate her. Get her out of there, folks. <laughs> Can't be saved. Uh, but there, there is a, a genuine, uh, like, seedling of an idea about two-thirds, three-fourths of the way into this movie that I'm like, oh, man, if that's what this was, I... I mean, like it, it tugged on my heartstrings in a way, and I can't yeah. wait to get and talk, get to that point and talk about it. But okay, um, bringing it back to the point is, we watch this kind of in a different thing. S- Santa Claus two and Santa Claus three have merged in my memory into the same movie. So I'm right. going to rely on you to stop me to go. Yeah, that didn't happen in this one. I I have the I have the same thing with kind of Back to the Future two and Back to the Future three. So I I get it. Um, How is that possible? One's set in the West. Well, yeah, but but they they're intertwined with each other so much, and like there's a bunch of like key details in in Back to the Future Three where they're doing Back to the Future Two stuff, and I don't know. And I saw them on cable years ago. I'm I'm a Back to the Future One head. Sue me. 
Um, <laughs> you will be served soon. Uh, uh, yes, uh, most likely by my girlfriend when she hears this because she is a a huge Back to the Future head. Okay, so I, before we, before we go any further, before we we yeah. say any of our things, can I just give a a medium sized synopsis of this movie? Be- yes, give us a synopsis, and then I'll go into some specs, and then we'll we'll get into the discussion of this thing. Okay. So several years after becoming Santa Claus, Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, and this is the guy who we remember killing Santa Claus accidentally in the previous movie and then becoming Santa Claus, uh, has been Santa Claus for several years now. He's inherited the job and he loves it. Uh, But then he's informed of a previously unknown clause in his contract. If he doesn't get married by Christmas Eve, he will lose all of his Santa powers and Christmas will presumably be over. Uh, At the same time, he discovers his own son Charlie's name on the naughty list, so he has to head back home to help straighten his boy out. To find a wife and help his son while simultaneously fulfilling his Santa duties, Scott has one of his elves create a toy clone of him, known as Toy Santa, who will run the show at the North Pole while Scott sorts out his personal life. As Scott bonds with his son and starts falling in love with Carol, the stern yet beautiful principal at his son's high school, Toy Santa goes mad with power and decides that every child in the world belongs on the naughty list. In the end, Scott has to woo Carol, break the news to her that he's Santa Claus, and return to the North Pole in time to stop Toy Santa from ruining Christmas forever. One key detail that I just want to correct Yes, certainly. He's going back to help his ex-wife, so it's not like he's currently married and then has to marry somebody new. Yes, this is this is very yeah. You're right. I I did not make that clear. As we remember, he is a divorced dad in the first one, and his uh, ex-wife is now dating Judge Reinhold, who is a child psychologist and a total Dorcas Malorcas. And a shining light of this movie. Such a fan of of Mr. Reinhold. I think I <laughs> I have huge Judge Reinhold energy. I think if you if you know me in person, I think you would agree. And I am happy to see myself up there on the screen. <laughs> uh, I've never seen you wear one of his sweaters, but um, I would be delighted if you did. Well, it, it got so dang hot in your apartment land, and I always took him off Fair before point. we recorded. <laughs> that is. So true. Oh, my God, how I've forgotten that heat box. Um, Okay. Santa Claus 2 came out on October 27th, 2002. Mm -hmm. It was directed not by John Pasquin, but by a director by the name of Michael Lembeck, who is also an actor. Uh, He has starred in quite a number of things. Or not starred, but has bit parts in quite a number of things. Um, Mm -hmm. But as a director, he has 68 credits. Uh, a lot of TV, some TV movies, uh, a little bit of soap operas. Uh, it's just kind of all over the place. This, though, I believe was his first directing assignment. Um, he so he did, at least first movie he did um, episodes of TV from like Coach uh, and I think uh, Major Dad. I'm trying to see if he did an episode of Home Improvement, News yeah. Radio. Um, mm. I thought I saw Home Improvement on here. I guess wrong. Uh, He did an episode of Friends, um, but then, yeah, he, this is his first movie. His, he he takes a step from TV into this being his first movie, and I can't wait to talk a little bit about the direction of this film, because it's kind of interesting. Um, just wanted, I want to call out one aspect of Mr. Lembeck's filmography, is that not only did he direct the Santa Claus, as well as the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause, he, in uh, the next film he made after the Escape Clause is the movie Tooth Fairy, starring The Rock as uh, like a buff Tooth Fairy, which 
it seems kind of like he expanded on a concept introduced in this movie and recast <laughs> Art Lafleur yeah. with The Rock, which is which is a which is an interesting concept. Consider it, won't you? It's you know it, when we were talking about building out a universe, you can almost see the pieces like starting yeah. to come together. It's like if that had been if like if this had been conceived in 2022 like Vin Diesel would have been cast as the tooth fairy in this movie so that it could create a spin-off for Vin Diesel to go on to his own it's it's so weird to see a scene like this one uh like wh- where all of these new characters uh show up representing you know uh, established things established like mother earth father time cupid for Vat- kind right. of the the symbols of different things that children believe in it's weird to see a scene with that which is just sort of a jokey fun scene with a bunch of kind of you know character actors and friends of the director instead of something seated that you know the one scene where all the a-list stars from the next 15 years of movies in this franchise are all together <laughs> to try and create a, a sense of a universe but they end up just playing bit parts to tim allen yeah. um the screenplay has one two three, four, five credited writers. I don't know the relationship between them. I have to imagine there are more that are uncredited. Yes. (laughs) So that gives you a sense of the disjointed, like, manufacturing of this this story. You know, as much as 5% of Hollywood may have been involved in writing this movie, it's really, it's it's hard to say. Uh, And there are too many uh, writers to to go into for um, their... They're individual stuff, but yeah. I did like that. Uh, if you want to get a little bit of a sense, uh, Ken Dario wrote uh, Despicable Me and Bubble Boy. Mm. That, I think, has similar vibes. Um, Ed Dechter wrote uh, There's Something About Mary and the New Guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Don Reimer wrote Big Mama's House and Ferdinand and a bunch of other uh, animated movies. Uh, Cinco Paul wrote uh, on Bubble Boy and Despicable Me. And John J. Strauss wrote on uh, There's Something About Mary, Santa Claus 3, uh, the Lizzie McGuire movie. So all of it creates an alchemy that is the Santa Claus 2. And listen, also, respect to each and every one of those writers. They are living my dream of just like... You know what? Yeah, what 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 do you need written, guys? Uh, I'll do it. I'll, and and there's I think there's a bunch of funny moments in this, and there's a bunch of there, a bunch of concepts I, in this that are I think really cool actually. And I'm I'm for a movie with five screenwriters, I'm surprised it hangs together as well as it does. There were a few moments, and I wish I had called them out for myself in my notes, but there were a few times when I literally thought of you saying just that of. If you were offered a, a chance to punch up the Santa Claus 2 script, I know Truman would do it. Yes. And oh, without what, question. What sort of thing in this movie would be his contribution? And I, I felt a number of times where I'm like, oh, I could see Truman writing that or finding that part funny. <laughs> the the con- the concept of of a, a kind of power mad dictator uh, running the <laughs> like overtaking a workshop full of ch- children elves with uh, soldiers and military force wearing a generalissimo outfit you were like this is the kind of thing truman would would try to sneak into a movie <laughs> okay. if anyone was now, dumb enough to pay him i i want to earmark that we have to get to that uh yes but let's 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 use this to get into the deep dive of this which is yes the concept of why this abomination <laughs> is created <laughs> wait the, now is this the abomination Duracell version of tim allen 
Toy Santa, yes. Yes, who is my favorite character. <laughs> um, I, yes. Yeah, uh, well, okay, we have a lot to say about it. But basically, building on your synopsis a little bit, yeah. they they find out that um, there's a Mrs. Claus in the contract, which it, it seems like you used to be a business person, Tim. I mean, how do you keep missing additional clauses to either and who's writing these clauses this is yeah. what i want to know yeah, there's who's the there's the, the mrs clause and what what did that dictate essentially it just it basically says and this is in fine print so fine that you have to look at it through a comically huge magnifying glass in the border around the business card containing the original santa claus is that he needs to take a wife by christmas eve or else he'll lose his santa powers and it's like I don't. I don't think it's made clear specifically why it's this exact Christmas Eve. This they that right. they haven't known this. Nothing has been happening. Like what? It only gets in, enforced after eight or nine years. I, I, <laughs> and right, again, right. And and again, that would make sense if there was that. That would be a weird provision to put in a contract. But also, if you're writing a contract that stipulates how you can murder Santa Claus to become Santa Claus, I imagine I'm on board with you putting weird shit in there. That would be the now, second weirdest thing in the contract. I'm just going to I'm going to make a blanket statement here because this feels like a good time to do it. Yeah. Uh, some of these things and the questions and the goof em ups that we are going to bring up have been addressed in the new Santa Claus's series. They address this whole idea of you didn't actually kill Santa Claus. It was all part of a grand scheme to make no. you, you were always destined no. to be Santa Claus. No, uh, damn it. No. So own it. I just own it. Lean into it. You fucking show. <laughs> I I'm going to say save your fingertips don't write us letters we are somewhat aware of all of the things they address in the new show we're going to pretend that Santa Claus 3 and the Santa Clauses doesn't yet exist for the sake of the jokes that we're going to do here on today's show that's great good a, a disclaimer for us to be wrong uh, with impunity I love thank it thank you um, uh, we <laughs> that's that's our own escape clause yes ah, very nice <laughs> or ignorant uh, clause yeah. uh, so but okay I want to bring this back around though to these clauses you bring up some great questions I want to know who's writing this where did these clauses originate from is it God you know like I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I, okay, it took us less than an hour to get to the question. Is it God? <laughs> Listen, it's it'll take us more than an hour to get to who is God. That, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, God I is mean, dead. He's a. Oh, okay. That's that's Santa Claus for the uh, um, the apocalypse clause, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I I think I think that I mean, if Santa Claus. I mean, he's the representative of an overtly Christian holiday. Presumably, yep. maybe Easter Bunny has similar rules. We'll talk about him. Well, and we didn't even talk about the Christianity part of that, because to me, like, I, I felt a little bit of that in the, the first movie, but mm. this one, it's entirely just about toys. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's... Anticipation for waking up on, on Christmas morning and opening toys. It it is a yeah it is pretty dang materialistic to the point that the the way that he makes a Christmas party go off is not by fostering any sort of connection between the people there or anything it's just by giving everybody <laughs> toys from the sixties that they wanted once and that kind of well, solves all of the problems. It's honestly that was kind of a touching scene to me, but mm -hmm. we'll get to it in due time. But okay. the yeah the the. The underlying message of that and this whole movie and this whole franchise is a little like, okay, 
we the, we can't address the the glaring issue of Santa Claus is fighting for his existence when he himself has completely usurped Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I mean, I don't know, maybe Jesus is going to be the next person to kill Santa Claus to take it back. Like, this could be a real Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, honestly, that it could be a real Game of Thrones or, like, Sopranos-type gritty uh, series adaptation of the Santa Claus that's all about the power struggles and, you know, you're Santa, and now you have to constantly be looking out. It's like Dune, there's plans within plans and people trying to assassinate you. Oh, man. That, but that, uh, Disney Plus, come on, do the Andor version of the Santa Claus. Get Tony <laughs> Gilroy to write the gritty Santa Claus. Um, is this okay? I, I have a, a a very woke culture note here, which is this: Who's making these clauses, and why are they so heteronormative? That's the mm, one thing. It's like mm-hmm. they don't know who Santa's gonna be, and they have to. <laughs> they're they're predicating the fact that Santa's always going to be a man, and that he always has to take a wife. I I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, yes, I agree, but also I don't think we should necessarily be surprised. I mean, look look at the Constitution, and that's probably not nearly as old as the Santa rules. Like, there's a lot of bad stuff in there and, Good point. and fucked up stuff in there that we've been trying to fix and failing a lot of the time. So, you know, Good point. The, the, the Santa rules, which may predate time, are probably not going to be, uh, you know, ready for prime time. Okay, all right, all right. We don't have to address it anymore. I just Quest, if I question had to answer. get that one out there. Promises made, promises kept. Um, Um, okay so back to setting up the context for why we have two Santas yeah we we have the Mrs. Claus and so Scott Kelvin has to go back to Earth isn't the North Pole on Earth yeah it's on Earth but it seems to be located beneath the surface of the North Pole under an ice dome and you, I guess you can only get there. Well, there a plane flies over it at the beginning. Yeah. In, in a, in okay. A, so that's the intro to this movie, which <laughs> there are a couple of things worth mentioning there. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Why? Why? A. Why is a plane flying literally over the northernmost part of the world? It's the the fir- the very first thing we see is a crew of like some kind of like scanning sciencey type plane flying around, and they're like scanning with equipment to try and find oil i guess i think that's the reason was that, but, the, was that it really they're like oh my god that's a lot darker I, than i i mean well it, it suggests an energy crisis has gotten really bad if we are going to the remotest furthest reaches of the earth to find oil like come on tap Yikes. that tap that gulf of mexico guys uh well, just, yeah, but they're just wait twenty years, and then we're gonna have a nuclear fusion breakthrough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and Santa probably will be behind that, or at least one of the kids who got a <laughs> gift from him. Um, but yeah, they're they're scanning, and everybody at the North Pole is trying to be super quiet, like in a submarine movie. And and then they hear like Christmas music playing from down there, and briefly think well, something's going first, on. First of all, he's like, "Do you hear that?" And he holds his earphones real close to his ears. Is like, it sounds like tiny hammers. Just such a whimsical technician that, that you're hearing that. And it's like a, a million tiny hammers. <laughs> the technician who wanted, wanted to be a poet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, he, you know, he's always he's always back there strumming his guitar. He put it down literally right before uh, right before they started scanning. Um, I, yeah, but so but it's it's weird. We could just get like we're introduced to. Santa Claus, uh, reintroduced to Santa Claus in basically like a series of DOS boot references where <laughs> yes. he's, 
<laughs> you know, he's got a periscope that is the literal North Pole. Everyone has to be super quiet because they're scanning him. They're going from ElfCon 4 down to ElfCon 1. Um, and as, as... Setting up setting up the, the militaristic themes that will be... <laughs> poured out in the rest of the film i i want i want to say also that uh my girlfriend was watching this portion of the movie with me and she commented that she really appreciated that the movie got the defcon system right that that the higher level defcons are less threatening and and the lowest yeah. level is is the most threat is the is the worst situation i that <laughs> it, i whatever other message this movie has at least it's educating the youth about which way defcons go when they're when they're trying to you know right. exaggerate something for comic effect uh yes so i mean that's how we're introduced to the north pole uh, trying to keep it a secret from the existence to the rest of the world i guess yes yeah but so he has to leave there yeah yeah and also this this happens they all keep super quiet there's a brief problem because one of the elves is listening to a dancing santa but then the the plane just flies away and the guys are all saying like oh it sounded like i don't know they they they're claaming that they they act like they're crazy or they've gone crazy that they briefly heard like yeah, a, we're not a swinging this. christmas pop tune yeah yeah um so yeah you know that it kind of introduces uh, as as so often happens on home improvement the concept of a different movie than the one that we get this is not about <laughs> the the north pole fighting off uh prying eyes right uh, yeah. Which would be kind of funny. Uh, I, w- I would like to watch that version yeah. or at least an episode of that TV show. But um, OK, I don't know why we we, uh, we that's how we we're introduced to the movie. And then we go through the shops and they're getting ready to do all the, the toys. But we're not going to go through this chronologically. Yeah, they they discover the the Mrs. Claus. And so uh, Santa has to go back to the real world yeah. in order to find and take a wife. But because. <laughs> Bernard, uh, although he is just called Bernard in this film, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, doesn't tell him until like how how I, I've forgotten how long the time frame is of this. Is it twenty four hours? Is it forty eight hours? What, what he uh, what the time frame of when he has to find the wife? Yeah, uh, he like has to... he has to marry her by Christmas Eve. But yeah, when it's... does he go back to the real world? He goes back to the world with like a month to go. He finds out that he has okay. one month, basically, or or a little bit less, to to find a, a wife. So yeah, they they just have not like they've known that it's in there, or they only just now found that it's in there. Uh, yeah. This this new clause, which is also kind of interesting, if the Santa Claus seems to be the organizing precept for their entire society, and uh, what Curtis, the uh, the kind of rule master of the elves, has found this <laughs> played by I mean, Spencer Breslin. But that he's found that, I mean, obviously, yes, it's a problem for Santa Claus, but more broadly, like, that's huge. That's like if you found a new page in the Bible. (laughs) Just like you, you've just added so much, so much knowledge and, and, uh, 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 fodder for philosophical discussion to your entire society. Like, take a second to, to enjoy that before, uh, you know, before worrying about telling the boss. They don't have a second. They only have a month before everything falls apart. Well, they'll 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 take time to to examine the existential nature of that once Mrs. Claus is in their graces. I I, I, sp- I suppose that's true. That's all all of that other stuff is for Boxing Day. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to have the time to to sit and think about the philosophical nature of when aliens arrive here. Once they arrive here, we just have to grapple with it. 
Yeah, okay, I guess, you know, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. The Santa Claus, too, I guess, is a very realistic uh, portrayal of how a society uh, responds to a crisis. (laughs) Um, But there only being one month until Christmas Eve, they are in the throes of getting all the toys ready, and hence the problem, he can't be in two places at once. Or Or can can he? he? And at that note... Mm. <laughs> my my other non question note on my notes was uh oh dear god please don't let tim allen do an eddie murphy mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> i can't watch this uh is a quote that i think uh curtis says at one point uh <laughs> or maybe bernard as he gets into the duplication machine yeah <laughs> yeah like neither can i <laughs> and then for for a very brief second i guess setting the scene up uh, uh curtis is um Kind of the the tech person for is that right the the tech guy for uh for Santa for the workshop I, he's like the almost like the head lawyer he's like the chief legal counsel he's the one who's the expert on all the rules and the you right know, yes. facts and figures and things like that uh, yeah and he uh but for some reason he knows all of the things that are being engineered in like the the research and development uh sector as well and i I guess yeah he also no but he also did build the kind of clony transmogrify build you know blow up shrinky machine so yeah i'm just saying i we we talked about it a little bit in the previous santa claus episode but uh you know i think it's time to unionize guys if you if you're if you're fulfilling this many job titles as one person (laughs) I mean, you know, it, but but he he likes it though. He's a Renaissance elf. He's got he's got multiple spoken, interests. Spoken just like a union buster. Hey, look, we're all just kind of a family here, you know. And I just feel like <laughs> you guys organizing is going to compromise the super cool relationship we have, where you bring me hot cocoa all the time and work all year oh my round. God. So. I- Curtis has built this big duplication machine, and it has a little conveyor belt. He uses a, a rat to uh, put it through, and it comes out, and there's two rats, and we see yippee do movie magic. Uh, this thing actually works. And so the idea is they're going to put Santa through it, and there will be two Santas. Yes. And the the Santa that comes out is kind of a bad Santa. I I, I genuinely thought, oh, no, did the second rat actually come out of there? Is this going to turn into some sort of the fly situation? <laughs> this movie has an astonishing amount of body horror in it. Just really <laughs> creepy, frightening, unsettling things. So you you were on the right track. <laughs> well, I, what does come out of it? What comes out of it is Toy Santa, which is Tim Allen wearing a like, like kind of a plastic or rubber mask over his face that, if you've I mean, ever seen the eerie, uncanny valley Duracell commercials from the late '90s, where it was just the big plastic people, yeah, it's exactly that. It, it's his hair and his beard are sort of like uh, it almost looks like I don't know, like a Minecraft character or something. It's sort of blocky and colored, like hair, but but also you know, with with just smooth edges and like polygonal. I it's. Very creepy and very effective, and I think yes. it's, it looks really cool. And um, <laughs> also, when he comes out, it the the first thing we see the you know the machine opens and Toy Santa starts walking out, and everyone screams. You know, it's Tim Allen and these two ch- children. The elves are all played by children, yeah. and we get this shot from behind of Toy Santa walking out, and it's just this plastic like Ken doll butt. 
<laughs> we're still riding high on the the Joel Schumacher Batman. So, uh, uh, and uh, Landon has sent me a picture of the Dur- Duracell I added. It's it's so bad. Oh God, I gotta I gotta minimize that. Um, <laughs> but we're we see him from this. It's this just this plastic butt, and yeah, it turns out, and oh, he's he's naked, and they like wrap a towel around him. It, it's just really interesting that they. D- did a full on oh we saw toy santa claus's dick gag as the intro <laughs> toy and again uh, if i didn't make this clear toy santa is played by tim allen just wearing yeah. this mask and this hairpiece i i'm actually surprised that we got all the way to 2002 without tim allen playing dual roles maybe this is them dipping their toe in the water because between the nutty professors and the austin's power uh th- there was a lot of that going around maybe maybe this is yeah. them testing and like how many how many can we do can you do two and then if this one works we'll, we'll bump it up to three <laughs> well i don't i kind of think it worked and they never did it again so I, I i liked it a lot and okay i toy santa uh his whole performance you know he's he's very dumb and he's very aggressive and he doesn't really very know literal what, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't know anything. He's sort of a robot. He has a bunch of Santa's memories, but he's also like a, a baby, basically, like in that he has no experience of the world, doesn't know how to like eat or <laughs> if you've drink. You've seen Twin Peaks The Return. It's yeah. basically Dale Cooper. <laughs> so you know, he is both malicious and stupid. And the thing is, you know, Tim Allen is playing him to 11. Huge physical comedy. Yes. It's really good. And the best part is Toy Santa is a huge asshole. He's the bad guy in the movie. And we're not supposed to empathize with him. We're supposed to not want him to win. We're not we're not supposed to like him, which makes it like a just a perfect role for the kind of brash stuff that Tim Allen is is yes. known for. I, I, I he's just got to be a heel, man. It's always been my question of like why in the world I I guess on some level the the concept is kind of based on casting the most ornery man in the world to play the jolliest. Yes. <laughs> but this is yeah. like but at a certain point the the transformation is the 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 fact that he becomes jolly. But mm-hmm. once we start this movie, it's kind of like back to Tim Allen being Tim Allen. And so it's still kind of ornery Santa. Yeah, he like in before any of this happens, he's like a bunch of elves impishly pour confetti on him and he challenges them to a football game. And it's like, right. you know, there's a lot of like, you know, he's being nice, but he's also kind of Josh. Yeah. So yeah, Toy Santa avoids all of all of that complication, and it's just I don't know. It, and also, he's speaking in either twenty five percent of a grunt or like forty percent <laughs> of Buzz Lightyear voice the entire time. Like a little bit of both. Gravelly, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's got big Buzz energy, and honestly, it also has Toy Story two, the new Buzz Lightyear that you know doesn't have any of the development of the original like they they're in the store and they open a new buzz lightyear and and this one thinks that he is a toy it's basically the same arc that buzz has gone through in the first movie and they've got it's like that same idea of have of putting a a more confused tim allen next to an existing tim allen so uh, odd that tim allen has not only starred in multiple uh christmas movies but he's also played different versions of toys yes Actually, <laughs> look the the man the man has his uh, the, the man has his skills. He has his set of expertise. You get him for the right job, and he's dynamite. I, I think also before we get to Earth, um, 
I think it's important to mention that, uh, and this is even this even happens before the duplicator. Um, the the whole threat of this Mrs. Clause has uh, conjured the what was it the the association of eternal beings or something like that. Right. Yes. The uh, I I. I don't even remember what they were called. It's probably that. But yeah, it's, it's this it's a committee of like uh Mother Nature, Father Time, the Sandman, the Easter right. Bunny, uh the Tooth Fairy and Cupid. Mhm. Yes. And and I I do want to mention cuz this is like our celebrity corner, uh our cameo <laughs> corner. Yeah. We've got Art LaFleur who people might remember from uh season 1 episode of uh Home Improvement where he gave Tim the Timbo nickname. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was yes. playing Jimbo. Yeah. Uh we have Aisha Tyler playing Mother Nature Woo! uh effervescent as always. Well, I, um, I, what a, what a career. What a career. I did not believe she, my eyes. <laughs> she is fantastic. Uh we have Peter Boyle uh who played Tim's boss in the first Santa Claus now playing Father Time. Weird, weird. Uh, That's a whole. That's a whole movie about how Tim's old boss became like basically, uh, basically his new boss because Father Time (laughs) seems to outrank him on the council. I mean, that's well. That's a whole. I have questions. Seems Santa has the final say over everything. I I don't quite understand how this council works, but we can break that open in a moment. Listen, Um, parliamentary procedure is my shit, so I'm ready. Okay, all right. Uh, We have a few more people here. We have. Uh, Michael Dorn, Worf himself playing Sandman mm-hmm. uh, from Star Trek. Yeah. We have Kevin Pollock playing Cupid, and Jay Thomas. Yes, that's right. Uh, Mrs. Mr. Uh, Mr. Tortelli. Tortelli. Yeah, <laughs> except not In, actually. Mr. Lebeck. Mr. Lebeck from oh, Cheers. Uh, yes, playing the Easter Bunny, and you can't see his face at all. He's entirely behind uh, costume. More more body horror. So that's the the group, and they're here to kind of talk about the danger that this poses, and and that's where Santa says, "Well, don't worry about it. We've got this cool idea to duplicate me, and I'm going to be in two places at once." Well, I mean, to say, no, I don't think Santa even tells them. I think this is just a secret between Santa and oh. Curtis and uh, and Darren or Darian or See, whatever the hell. <laughs> all the details of. <laughs> Turn my brain to mush over three movies. Yes, uh, they are. My my brain is only actively being turned to mush because I've seen the movie more recently than you. Uh, yeah, no, it's just I, I, the meeting just seems to be just general business. When it's first convened, the Tooth Fairy is talking about how he you know he has a bunch of different names that he would rather have you know and he's yeah. the Molinator or you know the that's the, the one that, that Santa offers for him. Yeah, or Roy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roy is one of one of the ones. Yeah, just a bunch of more masculine names. And the and he and he and Santa both vote, you know, and they, they have to put it to a vote. Can he get a new name? And both he and Santa vote yes. And the rest of the council unanimously votes no. And it's like, dude, guys, hey, it's fucked up that he can't control his own name. I mean, that's yeah, that's messed up. And then B, he's dude, just vote. Like, what is it? There's no reason not to. I mean, like, what is, are, are children <laughs> going to revolt if they, if they're leaving their teeth for a different named person? True. But I, you know, I want to want to take one more step in scope back from this, which is the whole point of him wanting to change his name. And this applies to the whole movie is that it's too emasculating. Yeah. That it's too girly. And there's a joke that comes in the, second movie the next movie that plays on that even further but oh boy um, something to look forward to not not my favorite but 
So, like, there's that, and it, it kind of plays into this, like, this movie, for all of its ups and downs, one thing you have to say for it is it somehow masculinizes Christmas. I, I mean... <laughs> Which isn't surprising coming from Tim Allen, but, you know, a Tim Allen vehicle, but... uh. uh it's just like there, there's so much. Everything is concerned about, you know, being a man and yeah. fulfilling a, a man's duties, i.e., taking a wife, yeah. creating a family, mm-hmm. running an operation. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Heaven forbid you're called the Tooth Fairy. Yes, you, you, yeah, you've, you've got to, you've got to be a boss, and you got to kiss some girls, and, um, and, <laughs> and, and occasionally drop in on, on your, your actual son, you know, once, once in a while, fly oh, back man. to, to his Oh, once we get to house. Charlie, oh, that's going to take a very depressing turn in this conversation. So, yeah, he has to go back, uh, and, and he also, because his son is on the naughty list, I mean, that is, that is Charlie stuff. Um, so he's got two things to tackle when he goes yeah. back to the real world. Yes, exactly. Well, let's go there. Let's go, yeah, let's yeah, go to Charlie real quick, because that, that brings world. him to the real world. That's kind of the impetus to, like, Oh God, yeah, I have to go to the real world. Uh, you know, this this Mrs. Claus thing is one thing or another, but like my my son Santa's son can't be on the naughty list. We got to go correct this. Yeah, and so he goes back, and he so he goes back to the real world, and just it's sort of taken for granted that he just m- kind of moves back in with his ex-wife and his ex-wife's new husband, <laughs> Judge Reinhold. It had a little bit of crazy on the outside vibes. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, okay, this, the first of a few different times that this movie had big crazy on the outside energy, which is, I mean, it's scary to watch that, that, you know, these ideas kind of formulating inside uh, Tim Allen's head over the years. Um, Yeah, so, but he, so, I don't know, you're Santa Claus, and you don't have, like, a company card or something you can't get a room at the holiday inn which is a i think that would be a joke right there that that's the hotel he stays at it's it's and that also that his ex-wife and and her new husband are just totally cool with it and happy to see him it's as though an old (laughs) friend has come by i right you, you well, to... we we can't forget at the end of the first movie, he makes their dreams come true by giving him the Oscar Wiener weenie whistle. I, I, and I was and, I, and mystery date. I, I was really um kind of upset that we didn't get an appearance of the weenie whistle, like that he didn't come I, I in agree. tooting on it or, or he didn't have it like where around his his neck like a pendant or something. <laughs> I I know, but it's just you even even with the weenie whistle, you just have to think about uh, Judge Reinhold's character at the office or at the bar saying like oh yeah you I know think my about uh, his character all the time my my uh my wife's uh, ex-husband is staying with us uh, you know for in you know about a month probably and he's gonna be wearing a bunch of my clothes and he's borrowing our car and he's trying to you know go on dates with lots of women and marry one of them you know like <laughs> like oh, because he Neil. can't he can't explain because <laughs> neil also is forbidden to explain that uh that scott is santa claus <laughs> Right. So, um, I don't know that I, an interesting, uh, they must have a really good marriage. He is a psychologist. He is a psychologist, but I mean, like the first film and the third film takes a hard anti-psychology and anti-therapy, uh, stance. Yes. Yes. The, the, the answer, there's the, a scene, there's a scene in here where we meet the, uh, the potential Mrs. Claus, uh, who is the principal of Charlie's school. Uh, and, and let's get to there in a minute. But yeah. that almost mirrors exactly a scene from the first Santa Claus where someone is like rightfully 
<laughs> explaining to the parents what the fuck is going on with their child. And Tim Allen's just like, blah, blah, blah. He's fine. He's sorry he did it. Let's not get too deep into this. Neil, shut the fuck up with your psychoanalytic. I'm not here for him. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, are you sorry? Yeah. Cool. We're done. Let's go. Yeah. Now, and don't forget, he also literally pulls money out of his wallet and basically throws it at the principal. <laughs> and also, about that. you've got money. Why are you not staying in a hotel, Scott Calvin? You have, you brought, <laughs> like, you went to the cash machine at the North Pole and got, like, a bunch of 20s. You can afford to go. And you're and that you're going to give to a, a teacher or as, at a principal as, like, a, to make a point in the most dickish way possible, but you won't get a hotel. <laughs> let's uh let's detour to talking about charlie for a second we're introduced yes. to him um we find out he's on the naughty list cut to the real world and charlie is breaking into the school in the middle of the night with his girlfriend from the rooftop yep uh mission impossible i want to i want to you took the words out of my mouth oh, i want to introduce the section with a question to you which is why was the biggest influence that Mission Impossible had on children and family films? Like, like why? Yeah, that that everything for a good long time afterwards had to have somebody on a rope dangling. A, a child specifically is like, let's have kids be spies. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, why don't we develop a series? <laughs> called Spy Kids um, <laughs> that also got franchised out into a lot of yeah, different yeah. things but I, I feel like the 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 grappling down scene plays out so much in like Agent Cody Banks mm. and all these like kids yeah. acting fool you know I'm sure there was a in Home Alone 3 there was probably a Mission Possible um, <laughs> yeah. you know parody or, or a joke or something or yeah, in tv like, shows and shit it's all it, to me it all feels like family and, and kid films yeah i guess because in the original home alone he's the kid is like high tech but it's like mischief and setting up you know improvised it's almost like a macgyver thing but then yeah as right. it gets into the 2000s suddenly kids have gadgets purpose-built gadgets high-tech. and are doing yeah you know and are doing acrobat they're not just normal kids they're doing acrobatic uh stuff Yes. What? Okay. So what's what? Here's the question to get us into the scene, though, and and Charlie's point in this film. Mm-hmm. What is he trying to accomplish by breaking into the school here? I, well, I mean, like short term, he's graffitiing, like uh, up on on the wall of the gym. Like he's he's rappelling down into the into the auditorium, and he sprays mm-hmm. like a graffiti tag, and he and then like I think there's a decal of a Christmas tree up on the wall, and he is done it like a ghostbusters style like no thing over it yeah um but but what's his like what is he saying with that i i have not quite grappled with what is he like he has okay what what is the the, tag i'm looking at a still frame now it says newman equals no christmas so he's pro christmas and he's saying that the grumpy old scrooge principal uh, played by the effervescent Elizabeth Mitchell, um, is you know no good. She got she's got to go. I I mean look I I see that message up on the wall and the first person I think about is the true star of For Richer or Poorer Wayne Knight and him hating Christmas. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I, I'm I, yeah. So He's I get, Christmas. Yeah, 
everyone puts money in their Christmas cards, Jerry, but no one ever checks if it gets there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Principal Principal Newman is portrayed as some huge Christmas hater, and this is called out, you know, he's being called out here by Charlie, and it's also called out by yeah. Scott as an explanation for Charlie's behavior that, oh, it's Christmas time, but there aren't, you know, she hasn't put up any Christmas decorations around the school. And right. her response to this when Tim challenges her on it in her office is well this is a public school and i have limited funding and i want to spend it on educating the kids and it's like yeah okay that seems yeah like that's <laughs> great yeah i mean a you legally can't put up stuff favor- favoring yep. one faith in a public school although my school certainly tried and yeah, uh and then also, yeah, it's I would rather your kid like learn, you know, the skills that he needs to get a good job rather than walk down a hallway with a bunch of lights and wreaths <laughs> right. in it. And Tim's response to this in her office when she's doing this is just to bang his head physically against the filing cabinet. Uh, he he is because because Neil has tried to suggest a bunch of things about, well, you know, you know, Charlie's acting out because he doesn't see his father which yeah that makes a lot of sense and that tim tim interrupts it and says no 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 the real culprit not enough christmas decorations you know this is almost playing like a 2022 skit about boomer culture i mean it's like or the boomer mindset it's it's so on the nose of like oh, you're giving a logical explanation of why our schools are in disarray, and you're giving a logical explanation about the emotional experience of our youth and why they have emotional trauma that they have to unpack later in their life. But I'm saying, fuck this thing, and I'm going to hit my head against the thing until you shut up. (laughs) I'm going to make a straw man argument in the most obnoxious way possible, and you're going to find it charming. Uh, Although I will say, the, the introduction to her character, A, I have a question of, why is she there in the middle of the night to catch Charlie? <laughs> I, I, Seems I, weird. She doesn't. Se- well, listen. I, I think the reason is because she has no inner life, uh, according to this movie. Well, I don't either, but I don't spend it in the middle of a darkened school. <laughs> well, I don't know. Look, build you know, uh, build a, a school extension off of your house, and then you will be in there checking to see if water <laughs> is leaking in. The uh, the other thing, though, I, to introduce her character, I I did kind of love this interaction. There, uh, Scott Neil. Um, oh my God, let's not go there. I think it's Wendy. Mm. Uh, what is the the ex wife's name? Oh, her name oh. is uh, Laura. Sorry. Yes. They don't make a big deal out of her character in this movie, so it's no. hard to remember. But okay, so She's we'll just... call her Laura because that's the character name. Yeah, yeah. The the actor is Wendy Crewson, which is why Wendy was in my head. Gotcha. Um, okay, makes sense. Anyway, the family, you know, Charlie, the three of them, and the uh, uh, principal are walking to their office to have this conversation, and a kid is uh, comes upon them, you know, tardy <laughs> in class, kind of loitering, and uh, <laughs> at one point, she's trying to be serious with him, and she goes, what do you see when you look in my eyes? And he just got this, like, cold look in his face. He's just like, it's dark and cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it's really an amazing moment i i i love it like she it's it it goes it goes so dark so quickly and uh (laughs) yeah i so like whatever you want to say about the character and and what it's saying about you know whatever uh at least the introduction was funny and i i do think elizabeth mitchell plays this uh kind of thankless part really well yeah, she she says, you know, he says it's dark and it's cold, and she responds, "It's your future." It's just <laughs> g- good lines, really well delivered. I really, 
and uh, Charlie makes this point later on in the movie about how how much it sucks that it that everyone at school gets to talk about what their dad does for a living, but he can't. And I think the subtext there, though, is more, yeah, it sucks that my dad lives at the North Pole, and I, <laughs> there's, there's there's an undercurrent to all of these films and the series about just a neglectful, workaholic father. And it touches, I think, a little too closely on the reality of the boomer lifestyle that yeah. uh, it doesn't quite want to acknowledge. <laughs> But yeah, it can't the, help but be there. The the, fir- the first movie, I mean, really, I, I don't know. The, there is just, yeah, this undercurrent feeling of, yeah, I'm a divorced dad and my ex-wife, uh, you know, it's over between us and she's dating some new schmo who's kind of a dork and I guess he's okay. But like, it just, it, it kind of is like... I don't know, the same way you were talking last week about uh, you were at the craft fair and all these yeah. other dudes were giving you kind of knowing looks like, hey, man, I get it sucks, right? Like, right. Uh, th- this, th- this, these movies are kind of doing that with every scene where he's around uh, 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 Judge Reinhold. <laughs> kind of like, hey, you guys know how it is. Yeah, joint custody, am I right, folks? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the darkest part of these films, I feel like. Just the the emotional trauma that Charlie is gonna have to unpack later. In his no, life. no. The dark the darkest part of these movies is a man killing Santa Claus and then being forced <laughs> to ha- undergo a horrific transformation of his body yeah. that he cannot control. Again, they retcon that, so don't get uh, too attached to that. Well, I, I no, I'm really attached to that cute and cuddly concept. Um <laughs> So, yeah, but so basically Scott Calvin blows off uh, Principal Newman, says, no, my kid's fine. Put up some wreaths and he storms out. And then then they go home and the, you know, Scott's ex-wife, who is actually involved in the day to day parenting of this boy, doesn't really seem concerned about the fact that he just blew off the principal. (laughs) And, you know, they're all just eating hamburgers and talking about how is uh, Scott (laughs) going to find a new wife. Let's be real specific. They're eating McDonald's. Wait, wait. What? Neil Neil walks in basically holding a McDonald's bag in front of his face. This I, is such blatant product placement. Yeah, well, I actually I actually couldn't see that because of Ronald McDonald uh, over yeah, if you noticed him, he was there in the kitchen holding up a sign <laughs> saying uh, try the new McDLT. Uh yeah, it's I'm shocked. I mean, there is a moment when Neil literally bites into a hamburger. Like this is such a, they they funded half of this movie. I I mean, listen, nothing nothing is going to get me into a McDonald's like watching uh like watching Judge Reinhold bite into a Big Mac. That is that is the only commercial you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of odd that they don't have Tim Allen do it at all. <laughs> no, I, honestly, honestly not. I think you know maybe it was that maybe it was that Judge Reinhold had just signed on to be the new spokesman the for spokesperson. McDonald's, and he you know he yeah. he brought that business in. That was a, that was a side deal to pad um, out his Okay, salary. you while while we're on it, we we got to talk about um the other kind of dark undercurrent here of Lucy, the mm-hmm. the actual child between. Uh, Laura and Neil. Yeah, uh, Charlie's stepdaughter. Uh, uh step sister. Yes, the, there you go. Uh, Tim's stepdaughter. Um, no, not even. They're no, not, not related not, no, at all. No, yeah, they're not. They're not related in any way. That's just. It's just, it's yeah. just some little girl he knows. She calls him. Uh, she calls him <laughs> Uncle Scott. Even though. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's no blood relation there. Uh, okay, I want to say that this that this actress, uh, Liliana Mummy or Mumi, whatever, she's good she's really good in this role 
I, you know what? I agree with you. And I think there's, a, oh, I don't want to get too much into the Santa Clauses, but there's a, a very disconcerting, and this is really old man of me. And I, you know, like take it for whatever the fuck it's worth. But, um, there is a distinct difference between child actors of this time, mm-hmm. child actors when I was growing up, and child actors now. Yeah. And I'm not saying that current child actors aren't talented, but the level of curation and, and I don't know, kind of maturity that we put on them is very uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you and are you seeing that that's present here in her performance? No, no. I'm saying no, this just, is like this is great. I think the she's this is a little girl playing a little girl, and it looks like a little girl playing a little girl. You know, whereas the new stuff is like they're all like kids playing elves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the actors themselves feel like they are. It's like a a, a nine year old or a ten year old. Mm-hmm playing someone who's 15 years old playing an elf that looks 10 years old but is 900 years old. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 lean harder into into making the elves act like little adults. Yeah, but there's something in, just inherently in the 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 kind of foundational performance of kids nowadays that is there's nothing authentic or natural about it. And I, listen, I'm not saying the old yeah. way is better than the new way and yeah, everything needs to go kids. back and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that kind of curmudgeon. Like, yeah. whatever. It's just not for me. But there's something that I miss about seeing, you know, authentic child performances um, versus the, the kind of stuff that we're seeing nowadays. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, she's, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I find her, uh, she's just really kind of like fun and precocious and yeah. joyful. And it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's, yeah, I, I really, I really, I am not normally one who's like, yeah, it's a cute kid. I like it. Like that really does not work on me most of the time. But in this case, I grudgingly found myself saying that is a cute kid. I like it. <laughs> um, All right. Where do we want to go from here? Uh, we, we, we've got the major players uh, here. We've got, yeah. um. Uh, we've been introduced to the principal who's going to be the romantic interest. We've got the the fact that the toy Santa is being set to keep over operations of the, the factory back at the North pole. We've got Scott back in the real world, getting out there <laughs> doing a, doing a little bit of a dating. Where do we want to go from here? I mean, well, look, I think that probably let, let's, I think we should talk about, we should talk about Scott and uh, Carol, the principal's relationship. But in order to do yeah. that, we should probably also talk about the Molly Shannon scene just to get oh, the. Can we for the, the rest of the episode? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's just it. Uh, that's that's the Santa Claus two point five. Um, yeah. So so I, I think let's go with that. So okay. So after you know after they've had their dinner of McDonald's hamburgers, they uh, you know <laughs> Scott is is borrowing some of um, some of Judge Reinhold's clothes to go out on a date with this woman who I guess his ex wife has set him up with and borrows yep. the minivan to do it. Uh, and the there's a, he- there's a, there's a joke there that I think plays so well because they underplay it. He they just like. So I'm going to go out in the sweater and drive a minivan to my first date back in the real world. Okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah. He says he says see you in about 8 minutes, which yep. <laughs> 
Um, no, I thought I thought that was I thought that was really funny, and it yeah, uh, I did en- too. Enough to overshadow the weirdness of the fact that he is borrowing his ex wife's new husband's right. clothes and her car to go meet women and presumably bring them back guess- to this house. <laughs> I guess because we didn't mention that uh, the way that Scott back got back to the real world um, was that he took one reindeer comet uh, okay. <laughs> from the North Pole here. And I realize you hated the reindeer in the previous movie, and yes. I can't imagine your reaction to them in this one. <laughs> my my reaction in there are a lot of places in my notes where I just wrote in all caps, this is body horror. And I think that the I think that the reindeer are, too, because, you know. Uh, this one is this is Comet, uh, and yeah. like all the reindeer, it's kind of an animatronic. It's got these big human eyes and a and a mouth that moves around, and it just speaks in gibberish, just like and but it's like R two D two and and Santa can understand him, uh, even yeah. though we cannot, and so they banter and yeah, it's. What let's let's go into our meta game right now. What's the fart count for Santa Claus two? <laughs> Okay, so the the fart count I did count this. It is two, um, because that's at one, it? Th- that's it. And I was shocked, Landon. I was absolutely shocked. Uh, so uh, I I uh, thought fart. Comet farted literally every time he was on screen. Okay, well wait. Now was no they reference Comet farting. I think earlier oh, when he's getting okay. the reindeer to go out. So the, an issue that happens is that uh, Lucy, his uh, you know his ex-wife's new new daughter uh is out in the backyard hanging out with comet and she uh she feeds comet a whole bunch of candy bars and so when santa needs to then get on comet and go back to the north pole to defeat toy santa uh no comet is super fat surrounded by candy bar wrappers sprawled out on the ground invisible pain another body horror on top of body horror (laughs) Uh, listen okay before we go into that i had a note about that which is like Reindeer can't fly generally, so the fact that this reindeer can fly makes it magical. What about it being fat <laughs> undoes the magic? <laughs> like, yeah. apparently, weightlessness is not an issue. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the like the fact that Santa Claus is fat does not seem to influence the reindeer's <laughs> ability to hoist fact, his mass. Fact, he seems to only be fatter uh, the more magic he has. It's not, it's not a question of magic. It's a question of weight ratios. Um, <laughs> so, but so the way that Tim Allen or that Santa tries to solve this problem of my reindeer is too fat for its magic to work is he coaches Comet to fart. And it, so it's, it's two very loud farts. And then, and that doesn't, by the way, that does not solve the problem. He is still not able nope. to make the reindeer fly. That, that's just farting for farting's sake. Um, <laughs> farting for the love of the game. At the end of the movie, as he is flying away in in his sleigh, he's got Comet still fat, loaded up in the back seat, and I'm like, okay, I'm just sitting there waiting, like, okay, and Comet farts, and Comet's gonna <laughs> fart, like, like, oh, we need more power to get out of there, and Comet farts, and like, it gets lit on fire, and it's like a rocket pack, blow, like, come on, I was expecting this. <laughs> I would not put that over this movie. That's and, a good call that uh, to expect that. And when it didn't, so I was really, exp- and also it's a rule of threes. He's done two farts. You got to end on a third. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, no. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not counting that against the movie, by the way, for people take, keeping score. <laughs> I was just shocked that, that, that they didn't go there. Um, okay. 
are we going to come? You were going to say something about, oh, I, I brought up Comet because uh, he's taking the minivan. He doesn't have any other way to get there. Clearly, yes. he's not going to show up on a on a reindeer for this. So yeah. um, let's go to the first date with Molly Shannon. This is this is the only date, really, we get in the film. It's kind of to be indicative of, you know, him going out on, you know, putting himself back out there. Which is also kind of just interesting. I wouldn't have expected that there'd be only one you, you the premise like this you kind of think okay we're gonna get a wacky montage of him on dates with like five different women or three different women or something but they instead they kind of just load all that onto having molly shannon be really really weird uh i think you mean uh magical <laughs> I, look i think magical i think a great performance uh but yeah but you know she's she, the the assignment was be weird and she is she is understanding <laughs> that assignment in this scene okay listen uh, let's t- take us through a little bit of what she does because i have a comment about your your comment on her being weird okay so so she uh, she arrives at the restaurant where they're meeting up, and sadly, it is not uh, Santorini's or whatever from uh, Home Improvement. Sorrentino's. Sorrentino. I'm never going to remember that. I don't have to put any dollars in any jars when I get the name of the Italian restaurant No, wrong. but you, you need to put some breadsticks in a basket. Ah, no, that's where the never-ending breadsticks come from. It's me <laughs> fucking up. So they meet at this restaurant. It is this woman who comes in who is very enthusiastic and she is obsessed with Christmas. She has Santa Claus on her sweater. She has a charm bracelet with Christmas charms on it that she wears all year round. And she is an aspiring singer songwriter. And she then weird owls an entire parody of (laughs) Shania Twain's I feel like a woman uh, Mm -hmm. to I feel like Christmas, I guess at him while dancing in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> and now, okay. For one thing, the 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 slow unravel of uh or the slow reveal of the things that um she, you know, like when she takes her jacket off, she's got a sweater with Santa Claus's face, Tim's face on it. Mm-hmm. And then she shows him the charm bracelet. And I I have to give the movie credit and and the character credit that it wasn't just like oh boy I'm gonna make some sort of snide joke under my breath that you're not gonna get he's like kind of genuinely like oh that's cute yeah I it's it's actually a really good it, like the performance from Tim Allen here is really good because it's a man who is feeling awkward and kind of embarrassed by this but also doesn't want this woman to feel bad and is trying to kind of yeah. be both encouraging but is also cringing yeah. Uh, and then she goes into the performance, and that's, you know, she's up on the, you know, kicking her leg out, and all every, the entire restaurant's watching her. Now, yeah. <laughs> Truman, this is my id. Yeah. <laughs> at, at every moment of the day, uh, every date I've ever been on, this You've is- You've done this. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I always have a song in my heart and a dance in my foot- and uh, you know me, I'm always parodying things like, yes, I, 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 this Molly Shannon's character here is always at the surface waiting to break out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your own body horror is that, that it she is. will burst out from you like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt the kinship to her. I, I, I found what she was doing. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be played for cringe, but to me, it, it doesn't hit like Ricky Gervais this is mm. I don't know genuinely funny to me it's being played with so much abandon and she is so yeah. she knows what she's doing and she yeah. is proud of who she is it's kind of she's kind of the happiest person in the film really I fucking I love it so well, much I and, I would watch an, an entire movie based on and I guess 
there is uh, if you want to go watch Superstar. And it, the the fact that she does this whole thing, and then and you know Tim isn't like mean about it. He just is not super enthusiastic, and she just <laughs> right. quickly gets gets offended by this. It's like what what's wrong? And he's like, oh no no, it's 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 fine. It's just kind of loud. And and she just goes, you know, I, <laughs> I I totally put myself out there doing that. And if you can't support my ambition, there's no reason for me to keep seeing you. And she storms out. And I don't know. I just like that they didn't give. The joke of the scene isn't him saying something mean about, oh, what a kooky broad. It's just like, it's just her embodying this character and being like, no, sir, I right. reject you, Santa Claus. <laughs> um, Not knowing that it's Santa, but yeah, right. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the and that's the kind of implicit tension of the scene that really makes it uh, pop. But yeah, uh, yeah so we, that, that absolutely happens. And I... I uh, I don't know. I enjoy it. I guess I like that. You know what? That's probably more fun than a big wacky dating montage. Although, yeah, I think so. And like, I was thinking about this. Like, the, the movie could have taken a slightly easier route and just making that like maybe even having the same exact scene, but his reaction to it being like that was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and then like going into some sort of romantic depression of like I'm never gonna find the right one, and it it doesn't really do that. It's just like well good for her we weren't compatible <laughs> and yeah. you know i'm kind of just back to back to square one in terms of finding mrs claus so what's what's next <laughs> i i admit it does it is remarkably easy for him i mean this is set out there as like you've got to find a wife a life partner in 28 days and he basically finds her on the second try while he's yeah. trying to help his kid like he's got to help his kid and find a wife but he's able to hit two birds with one stone yeah. by falling in love with his boy's principal. I mean, it's just, I mean, I would feel so lucky if I, if I were able to cross <laughs> two things off my checklist at once like that. Well, you know, I, I guess what my, my point is like, they could have taken a much worse attitude with it. And mm-hmm. I, I think I'm more willing to buy the fact that it happened so easily because they're kind of a little more carefree with it. I, I, I get, you know, and yes, that is, that is true. Um, I mean, so, then that that just kind of leads us seamlessly into the courtship of uh the courtship of Carol Newman yeah uh, which i mean I, I agree it makes i don't know I, I can see how it would be a little crass if it's him out with a whole bunch of different people or whatever uh but then also the fact that that he, his first impression with Mrs. Newman is being a huge dick and basically throwing money at her and saying, yo, put up some Christmas trees in your school, dumbass. And then yeah. the next time they get together, you know, he is, his son has done more graffiti at the school. He shows up again uh, and this time suggests, okay, instead of suspending Charlie, why don't you give him community service? And uh, Principal Newman says, fine, he'll do community service this weekend and you'll be there too. Uh, because to supervise him or something, and so Tim then meets her at the uh, at the community center where where his son is cleaning up trash, and he's brought some coffee for her, and they have a nice little chat and open up. Um, yeah. And this is another scene where I got very painful, crazy on the outside flashbacks <laughs> of of a little bit. Tim just inexplicably charming the pants off of a woman in a position of authority who does not like him. I, but this this film has a little more grace to it, though. I, this one, I'm I'm a little more 
a movie having a movie having more grace than crazy on the outside i don't know if that's possible landon <laughs> okay santa claus 2 didn't kill my television so <laughs> yes i guess i i give it a bit of a pass but um the yeah i don't know the the courtship like that's the premise of the movie and they have to get there somehow and i realize this is flying in the face of every criticism i've ever brought to the episodes of home improvement but um you know i think it's like I said, there there could just be a much more ham-fisted and, and indelicate way of doing this. I think that they both arrive at it kind of reasonably. Like, she's like, she she's actually fair when she's when he's like, isn't it a little extreme to suspend him or expel him? Can't we find something else? And he puts out there community service, and she's like, hmm, interesting. Okay, what do you have in mind? Okay. And it's like, not they're not really belaboring that meat cute that like they hate each other forever and then suddenly it's gonna have this big switch and also i think the more important point is he doesn't go through these series of failed dates and arrive at a point where he's like well i got no one else i guess this harpy is gonna be the one you know yeah. where it undermines the the value and the charm of her character which you know to me isn't it's almost like it's not that she has this big turn into opening her heart. It's just like the movie hasn't quite shown her in that light until these scenes. And once she's given the opportunity to open up, she there's no resistance there. When he's yeah. giving her that coffee, she's like, oh, yeah, okay, great, thank you. I really appreciate this. And, you know, there's no resistance there. I mean, the the movie definitely does do a little bit of the legwork by like, okay, let's, let's paint her cheeks a little rosier in this scene. Let's get yes. her some makeup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make her more attractive. <laughs> I'm yeah. Well, as as she as she gets uh, more attracted to Tim Allen, she becomes more attractive, and then likewise, as soon as Tim Allen marries her, he uh, goes from looking like Tim Allen back to looking like Santa Claus. So uh, you know, they both they both undergo <laughs> certain changes over the course of their relationship. I guess so. yeah. Um. I, I okay look I agree like they do I guess they do the good work of like also when he is at the community service thing he I don't know he is disciplining his son about something and he I, he does it in a way that she approves of we see her nodding yeah. and then he and then a kid comes up instinctively sensing that he's Santa Claus and asks for something and he has a sweet little interaction and she is charmed by the fact that he has been so sweet with this random girl who seems to know yeah. him. Although, just a side note on that interaction, like, the kid comes over and tries to ask him something, and the mom says, is it okay to Tim Allen, not yeah. the other way around. I'm like, I, I think you've got the little, I think you've got the, the creepy consent question backwards there. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I don't think you need to worry if, if you know, this middle-aged man is going to be in some way threatened or uh, frightened by this, uh, by this little girl <laughs> talking to him. Although, that being said, as someone who isn't super close with a lot of children, I do get kind of frightened when they try to talk to me. Um, so... So I guess that there is work done to build up. Yes, they have things in common. They have shared values. It's just, it's just that everything. The, the most hamfisted. The, the most hamfisted point of it, because I think this is going to play into your conclusion here. Yeah. The most hamfisted part of their courtship is the next scene where they're like, "Well, we're we're already long in the tooth for this movie, so we have to accelerate things in a big way. Let's just have him arrive at her house and ask her out." And yes. her be okay with that. <laughs> yes. And and not just be okay with 
an in-person, unannounced visit to ask her out, but then to say, you know what, fuck it. Let's go to a work event together right now. You, the father of <laughs> right. one of my students. I'm going to introduce yeah. you to all my coworkers. Yeah. It, or he shows up at her house and just, oh, sorry, I didn't call. Oh, clearly you're going out on a date or something. Oh, I'm going to my faculty Christmas party. Oh, I was just going to ask if you wanted to go get some pie or some noodles sometime. And then they just, like, they talk a little bit about, like, I don't know. They like this, the same kind of pizza. Uh, they both like thin, thin crust, crust pizza, which, I mean, f- screw you guys. Also, I think this movie's supposed to be set in Chicago, and it's like, guys, come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> no, it's set in uh, St. Paul. Oh, it's they set in St. Paul? They moved from Chicago over to, to Minneapolis, or okay. uh, to, uh, Minnesota. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's that famous Minneapolis-style thin crust pizza that, they're, that they that <laughs> they love. Um, and then it's, that what, you know, we'd see, a, you know, get dinner and see a movie. What would the dinner be? It'd be pizza. What movie would it be? Some Audrey Hepburn movie where... Immediately, Santa Claus starts talking about the nice car in the movie, and she talks about <laughs> the car, too. So that's how you know that she has value, because she knows about the old car from the movie. And <laughs> it's just got to be an everything. we to comment on that part. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah. And then it's just like, okay, come to the party with me. And he opens the door, and, you know, oh, here, I'll, you know, he offers to give her a ride to the party, and she accepts this. And then he opens the door, and he's just there's a sleigh out front with a couple of horses in the snow. Question. Yes. <laughs> Go. Question me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here um, in, yeah. in terms of the timeline of yeah. this movie. Jump around. He left the North Pole with Comet. Mm-hmm. Yep, he did. Comet is at Neil's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not yet fat, as no. far as his point in the movie in, in the process of getting there probably in the pro- well he just bars. spoke to her uh, spoke to comet like two scenes before and he seemed oh fine. i see um okay later in the film santa toy santa fascist santa yeah um is is going to go give coal to everybody yeah there's we will we will dive into into uh bad santa uh after we handle this relationship <laughs> uh when he leaves the the North Pole, he has seven reindeer, so holding true that Comet isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so mathematically, and I know we hate bringing math into the show. <laughs> oh God, yes, and so do our so do our listeners. I would imagine <laughs> if if Comet isn't here and he's not at the North Pole, and none of the other seven reindeer are in real life, they're all at the North Pole. Who the fuck are these two reindeer? I don't think they're reindeer, though. I think they're just horses. Like, they don't have well, antlers now, or anything. What have you done? Well, w- what have... You're what, right. They are. I'm looking at them now. I, I, <laughs> I guess I guess I just outsmarted you on the Santa Claus knowledge, <laughs> which is not anything that you should feel bad about. And in fact, the uh, that should be All right. reversed. Then so, how about this? I'll, I'll, I'll replace it with a different math equation. When okay. he talks to the little <laughs> girl in the park... She asks for something for Christmas, and he says, you got it. And he looks at his watch that Bernard gave him to show him how much magic he has left. It's a dial from 10 to 0. It's and, a uh, dope-ass watch. When, when he gets down to 1, that means uh, that's all the magic he has left to get back to the North Pole. If it's down to 0, he can't get back. Yep. Okay. So one wish from a little girl takes one dial from 10 to 9. Mm-hmm. Thank you a lot, sir. You just cost me some magic. Yeah. Great. Tim goes to pick up uh carol in the sleigh 
the slowest moving sleigh that's ever existed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, the, I, and, hope, uh, I, I hope you. they weren't expecting you at the party anytime soon, yeah, because it is going to no. take us an hour and a half to get this, there. Literally, like, I could walk faster than this sleigh pulled by two horses. Yes. Anyway, um, he looks at the watch after that, and it goes from nine down to five. Yes. <laughs> and So how, do, how is this magic working? It's like one wish equals one notch, but is it... The sleigh is one thing, and the horse, each horse is one. So that's three. How do we get down to five notches here? Or, or the, Did or he the, also do all the lights on the trees lining the streets? Yeah, I mean, and like how much is, is one it, of it a lo- love potion? How, how much is it for the little cloud of snow that is only snowing on them and tracking <laughs> right. along with them and no one else? Like, that's got to be a bunch of magic. And... <laughs> And also that that is, so all of that is something like four magic, but then he burns the remaining four magic points that he has uh, at the at the party where he conjures out of nowhere a bag full of the toys that all of the uh, faculty members at this boring party always wanted from their childhood and makes the party awesome. Let's, I, let's pause before we get to the party because I, I, I have stuff I want to talk to talk about that, okay. but go on. No, so, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, that seems like an even, like, an even bigger magic suck because it requires you to conjure presents that an entire room full of people wanted that will then have to remain present and animate forever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I just don't know. How, I mean, maybe it's inflation or maybe you get discounts on certain kind of magic yeah. spells. Uh, I, I would want to see the player's handbook for being Santa Claus, the, the well, Santa it, Master's it, Guide. So the his magic comes from the belief in Christmas and the holiday spirit, mm-hmm. but um, I don't quite understand why he... If if the holiday spirit and the believe in Christmas exists, regardless of whether he's at the North Pole or not, why why his magic's going down when he's in the real world? Is it is it just that he isn't married, maybe, and that's it? Like his like having a wife oh God. is it represents your ability to harness and use magic and basically without a wife like a, a wife is like a hot water heater basically that just fills up with hot water and stores it <laughs> oh, dear and God. so it's doing that with magic but because he doesn't have a wife all of the magic is just leaking all just, over the place are you saying that like a water softener getting a wife is just like putting the salt in i i mean listen i don't i don't own a hot water heater so i really don't know how they work but i also don't know much about having a wife so Yes, yeah. I suppose I am the saying softener that. and a heater are different things, but yeah, I, I get your point. Okay, well, oh, let's get off of that. Let's let's take a quick detour before we get to this party and the rest of their courtship to talk a little bit about Toy Santa and the rise of the toy regime. Yes. Uh, okay, well, Toy Santa gets the rundown on the list of Santa's rules from uh, Curtis trying to kind of bring him up to speed on the business of being Santa Claus. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, Toy Santa starts getting really obsessed with the rules, very literal about the rules, and, uh, starts deciding that kids all over the place are, in fact, naughty instead of nice. The list that the real Santa... real explanation as to how he's making that differentiation. Well, I mean, he there's the case of a kid in Denmark who has been wiping his nose on his sister's sweater and says, that's naughty behavior, but he's on the nice list. And the Curtis is trying to explain that they try to be a little bit lenient because it's kids after all. And Santa, Toy Santa says, no, thank you. 
That's bullshit. We got to give. <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, on that one. I'm a little bit on Toy Santa's side. I, I mean, yeah, really. Like that's gross. Like you got to teach these kids hygiene. And if yeah. a lump of coal is what that takes, you're gonna save lives down the line. It's a public health thing. <laughs> uh, I yeah. So so he he. It decides that all the kids, basically every kid on Earth, needs to be on the naughty list. And to enforce this belief, he uh, takes a toy soldier and he puts it in the cloning and enlarging machine and makes these gigantic, this army of gigantic toy soldiers who kind of goose step around and they all have these big frozen grins on their faces. Another kind of body horror moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And is. At, at least it wasn't some sort of makeup effect. It was just a gigantic head but it's yeah but like just a huge yeah you know a a face that is unchanging with a with a huge grin plastered across it and you know forces all of the 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 elves who again are played by children to start mining for coal (laughs) that they can give to all the kids in the world and also then begins wearing an outfit that makes him like it's like a black outfit with like the tassels at the shoulders and like i feel like it has it's supposed to look like it has medals on it or something like he looks yeah. like you know a, a dictator in you know in one of those those wacky outfits that like the guy in libya uh, Gaddafi, used to have it's yeah. it's a it's a libyan dictator joke in a children's movie and i i honestly <laughs> i love it it's the kind of thing i would put in a movie too if i got hired for this job <laughs> uh, yeah well okay the this Brings me to a question that I didn't ask earlier. How familiar yeah. are you with the movie Toys? Oh, you know, I haven't seen it, but I have seen I, I've seen clips from it. I know that like there's a military. Isn't that Wesley Snipes in it as a military guy? No, well, LL Cool J. LL uh, Cool J. But yeah, Robin Williams and Joan Cusack play the um the these two children of a toy maker who is played by uh Michael um Oh my god, my brain is farting right now. <laughs> I almost called him Michael Gandalf. Just like Comet. Um, That's the third fart. The... <laughs> Your brain ate too many candy bars, Landon. Come on. The guy who fucking played Dumbledore. Michael, uh... Oh god, it's on Michael the tip Chiklis. of my tongue. <laughs> yeah, Michael Chiklis. Uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, it's kind of like a militaristic takeover like it kind of touches a little bit on on the original santa claus where they start to make they're making the original owner of the company is making all these toys to enrich imagination and creativity and joy Mm -hmm. and his brother takes over the company after the death of the the original owner and wants to build all these war toys and it becomes a fascistic um organization overnight so this is taking pretty liberally from that. <laughs> so that was just, that was in the zeitgeist. Kind of Hitler toys was was on everybody's minds. Well, you know, when I look at my own childhood, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I was just sold hook, line, and sinker on G.I. Joe toys without really seeing how it was playing into the, you know, <laughs> military-industrial complex. I don't know, but I mean, I really love all of this Toy Santa stuff. I think it's completely wild and unhinged to have in a kid's movie, and it's kind of frightening. There's a lot of these scenes of children screaming in terror and being menaced by these toy soldiers and, like, locked up in a a room when they won't mine coal fast enough, and I... Yeah. I, I don't know. I... It's... And and all of this being commanded by... by Tim Allen totally hamming it up as Toy Santa, 
And again, it's like he he plays a heel so well. It's he great. Does, yes. It's really entertaining. And I'm watching this, and I kind of like this is good enough to be a movie on its own. The story of this, yeah. I'm way more interested in this than watching Scott Calvin dating. I don't need Scott Calvin in the movie. I want Toy <laughs> Santa, and I want to follow the elf resistance fighting this off. That's way better than well, any other stories you're telling me. Agreed. And so I guess to foreshadow Santa Claus 3, uh, I kind of wish that movie was what you just described and that the Mrs. Claus storyline was strictly what this movie is mm-hmm. because there are moments when I see the the makings of a movie that I thought would have been really touching and interesting to watch mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into when we get back to their courtship yeah um, and that the next movie kind of tries to do that but fails and it does it better here but there's not enough of it and it's competing too much with the Mrs. Claus storyline so mm-hmm. It's it's a little confuddled. Yeah. So yeah. okay, I, I, I have I'm very Truman Truman. Come on, go on. Wait, give it to Truman. me, man. What what do you got? What do you got? I'm very I'm very reticent to mention this. Oh my Uh-oh. god. Uh oh. Uh oh. Reticence, folks. Call the snowflake police on me preemptively. I, I just well, have there, to ask the question. A lot of that going on at the North Pole. Nothing but snowflakes up there. You know. You know who? <laughs> you know who should crack down on that? Santa Claus. <laughs> Is there? An intended undercurrent of too many regulations being (laughs) followed turns it into a fascistic government. You know, I mean, (laughs) I I, listen, I I see the point that you're making. I don't think that it's, I don't think that the movie is griping about too many regulations. I think the movie is maybe making a point about how... You know, we if can't too just many li- rules, then we- and you have to abide by them all. Then we all become toy soldiers. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's more about just, you know, being, I don't know, not following the letter of the law blindly, but applying common sense to things and let it. I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think it's about interpretation, and it's about saying okay. if you, in, if you look at something that's written in a book and interpret it one hundred percent literally, then you're going to. Uh, have a bad time and i think we can both agree that that happens a lot in religious circles and with regard to certain amendments in the constitution maybe between one and three so uh, you know i i think that the point i think that the the whatever metaphor or point the movie's trying to make on that level is actually just generally good and like yeah you know slavishly you're hired as my defense lawyer then yes okay that that's very good that listen this the santa claus rules made him did it your your honor that's all I am just a simple country lawyer, hence my saying made him did it, which is a hilarious malapropism. Okay, what else do we have to say about what's going on at the the fascist uh North Pole? I mean, uh what what else is there? I mean, when when Santa Claus comes back to save the day, he he hitches a ride with the Tooth Fairy in a way that we will uh, we can either talk about it now or we can get to it later on. But Yeah, uh, let's get to it later. I guess we go back to the courtship for a little bit here. Yeah, let's go back to the courtship. Basic yeah. Well, yeah, Santa uh wait. Toy Santa has taken over and uh, Curtis the elf escapes while Damien or whatever the other elf has been uh, arrested. Wait, what's his name? Wait, is it Bernard that's arrested? Bernard is arrested. Bernard? That's his name? I feel like, I don't know, I'm going to keep calling him Damien. The older one? 
Yeah, the older one. The older one gets yeah. arrested, and Curtis is yeah, the one Bernard. who goes to, to tell him. Yeah, okay. Damien. Yeah, Dam- There's yeah. not even anyone named Damien in this yeah. series. I'm going to put a candy cane in the jar, okay? And I got a million okay, of them. Okay, great. I, 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 <laughs> I knocked over a Salvation Army Santa on my way over here. Because I had just seen the Santa Claus 2, and I had a bone to pick with that guy. <laughs> uh so back in the back in the real world, back in the love world, yeah. Uh, well, af- you already mentioned. I, we don't need to go too chronologically here. They go yeah. to the the this um, uh, work event for yeah. all the teachers and the the faculty of the, yes. the school that she works for, and the scene doesn't start great. I'm gonna admit, yeah. <laughs> like. She brings a guy who she's met three times to a party for her work. You already alluded to all the weirdness of that. And when Tim's there, everyone's just down and bummed out. And uh, no one's dancing. No one's having a good time. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't like the slant they're taking on the melancholic Christmas music of it being a downer. Because yeah. that's the sort of stuff, if I ever listen to Christmas music, is what I get into. Yeah, yeah, Christmas slow jams. Melancholic yeah. Christmas slow jams. It's Mariah like a cover. Carey it, can go fuck herself. It's it's a cover of Blue Christmas too. It's like it. I'm listening yeah, to it. It's like this is actually kind of nice. Like I like this. Yeah, I, uh, me too. Uh, but it, Tim Santa just can't stand for this. No one's in the and it's it, it poses that no one's in the the holiday spirit. And I think it's mm-hmm. less that no one's in the holiday spirit more than like I would I I feel obliged to have to come to this party and not spend it with my family. Yeah. Because clearly family isn't invited here since there are no husbands, wives or children. So and, and, and it's, it's also that you are taking the holiday spirit out of this. And it also seems like a pretty strict dress code because everyone is just wearing suits and form, yes. like their their work attire. It's like they just yeah. all clocked out of being teachers and trooped into the gym for this party. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the it's the faculty equivalent of a, a of a, uh, a assembly on a Friday afternoon. Except uh, I never got all of the toys that I wanted at assemblies in school. Fair so point, I mean, I, I wish Tim Allen was this... running one of my high school assemblies. This is the, the, okay, so there's a transition here where Tim can't stand for this, and mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I got an idea. I'm going to hop up on stage, this complete stranger just addressing the entire faculty of a school uh, in complete psycho fashion. Yes. Hey, I'm the which... absentee father of that kid who keeps doing graffiti on school grounds. Everybody listen to me. I'm sure you really want to hear what I think about things. <laughs> uh, that part's not great, but he keeps talking about, you know, oh, I bet you're bummed that you didn't get your, you know, your holiday gifts yet. And uh, Carol's like, there's no gifts, Tim. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I happened to, I saw a, a bag backstage, a bunch, a bunch of gifts are in it. And she's like, what the fuck, what are you, what are you doing, motherfucker? And he's mm-hmm. like, ah, here it is. And he, he pulls the bag out and uh, he calls a name out and uh, a gentleman walks up to the front and he hands him the, the thing and asks him to open it, and it's a, a game from his childhood that he never even asked for, but always wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's in the style of, you know, this as if it came directly from a 1960s shelf yeah. uh, into his hands. And thus proceeds him to hand out gifts to all of the faculty of these gifts that they always wanted. And then we get, a, like, a mini montage of this faculty playing games uh, with each other, rock'em sock'em robots and uh, Polly Pocket, or maybe not Polly Pockets, but uh, yeah, I don't know how you really play uh, with that, but yeah, w- there's there's the one where you create like uh, gummy monsters and you eat them and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're they're all everyone is just having 
the time of their life. Yeah. And there is something about this. This is there's a movie in here, a tone of a movie that I'm like, I don't care about this big ass, you know, Santa sleigh chase scene, fight scene that's coming up. Yeah. Like I I would love to see this level of film and this level of emotion being driven for in this film. Th- this scene really worked on me. I'm not going to lie. Well, it yeah, because it kind of shows how Santa's magic works on adults, too. And it's how, yeah. you know, the simple pleasures of in life and kind of becoming a child again. Yeah, I, I see that. I mean, it is it is sweet because all these people in suits and ties are now like sitting on the ground and cheering and like play. You know, th- there's there's something cute about that that is maybe more affecting than, uh, yeah, than than Santa fighting toy Santa on a flying sleigh. <laughs> but I don't know. I just kind of feel like for, well, and it's just, I guess, my preference. Like, this is the sort of movie I would love to see a, a more mid-tier movie that is about people trying to rediscover their love, you know, their inner child and, and finding the magic of Christmas and, and the holiday spirit that way, rather than, well, I got to stop dictator Santa before he just gives everyone coal. Yeah. Based on, based on the, you know, famous biblical tale of the evil Santa who tried to ruin Christmas until, you know, <laughs> you know it, it, this is, this is tradition. These are the traditions that the woke left wants to stop talking about. And they want us to stop telling these stories. <laughs> Um, and so I should also mention that when they are, when they're on their way to this, what they're talking about, you know, in their, in the sleigh, him and Principal Newman, she's talking a lot about how much Christmas used to mean to her as a kid. Her parents fought all the time and Christmas was the only time of year that she, that they would try to get along and how much she loved, you know, getting presents and leaving cookies out for Santa and all that. And she's talking about all her fond memories specifically of Christmas and Santa Claus. And, and Scott is kind of, Ooh, well, well, yeah, it's good to leave, good to leave carrots out for him. They love carrots. Also bell peppers are good. That's what I heard anyway. I don't know. But he, throughout this, she's talking, she's having all these warm recollections of Christmas and Santa Claus and really opening up about this. And it's just sort of funny to think that because it's like the, the Santa Claus that she has these fond memories of is most likely the guy that Scott killed a few years back. <laughs> and it's like to, to hear this woman kind of opening up and slowly falling in love with this guy because of her relationship to a man that he murdered. It really is the like, I'm g- not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to take your future wife, basically. <laughs> um but so, so she's already. I, they they do specifically address that in the series, but oh. uh, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> okay, good. I look I look forward yeah, you, to finding you, out more. I mean, only knowing what you know of Santa Claus too, that is a damn good question. <laughs> L- listen, and again, this is this is uh, you know, but for the for the four years between when this movie came out and Santa Claus Three came out, and then the what another eighteen years between Santa Claus Three <laughs> and the series. These right. questions were open, hanging in 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 the atmosphere. So I'm justified in yes. asking them. You um, are absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the gift giving is a huge hit, and this is also a huge hit with uh, Principal Newman, who uh, is this brings back all these fond memories for her, and she winds up kissing. Uh, well, he, Scott. she gets the toy that she's always wanted. Yes, uh, the the iconic baby doll. Yeah, the baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> and, and which which leads me to wonder like <laughs> if you're going to get a child just one toy growing up yeah it would be a baby doll 
I, yeah, especially. So what the fuck was her childhood? Yeah, like, I, well, her parents fought a lot, and I guess they also fought about whether giving their daughter a baby doll would reinforce stereotypical gender roles, so they never well, did fair. it. Okay. I mean, Good. yeah, uh, these progressive parents, they were only giving her science toys, damn it. They were only giving her, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, high school principal play sets. Which did not include Christmas decorations, so she never got in the habit of putting them up. <laughs> by, by the way, I, I just want to mention, I I paid for the cheapest version of Disney Plus to watch this, so I had advertisements. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was an ad at one point that was uh, about dolls, and it's like, when children play with dolls, it builds empathy. And, you know, obviously showed boys and girls both playing with dolls, quote-unquote dolls. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought that was interesting (laughs) well i mean i don't know does that include like are ninja turtle figurines considered dolls i mean you're an empathetic person not in this commercial this commercial was it was a pretty you know non-gender specific doll that they're all playing with hmm Mm. i mean do okay do lego figurines count as dolls i'm trying to figure out if i if i have the requisite amount of empathy I I don't know I but I I mean I I played with a lot of action figures and stuff growing up and I f- feel like I've got a a pretty decent amount of empathy I don't know that I can attribute it to that but yeah I mean that's and there and I mean also you you have a car and a house which are like ac- accessories and and play sets and stuff like you own possess <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah right, you, right. you learned you learned lessons from that you have to get you know more cool sets and things um. <laughs> And and meanwhile, I played with Legos all the time, and I cannot build anything with my own two hands. So I learned, I guess, no lessons from my toys. One um, quick additional question: While yes. we're on this commercial tangent, uh, this is going to be, and I'm I'm acknowledging it outright, the oldest person question I've ever asked. Okay, why is there so much dancing? <laughs> It's TikTok. I think that's it. I think that people only respond to text now if there is a person doing a choreographed dance behind it. I, I mean, but I understand TikTok is what propelled it. But what was the impetus? What What is it in the culture even for making things on TikTok popular to be dancing? I. I I mean, I don't know, Landon. Why is there so much dancing in 2022? Landon, Can look. people just calm down for a second? <laughs> I, I'm I'm sick. S- it's, it's, like, it's like our commercials have are at a point where they have to compete with so much other white noise in our lives and so many advertisements at every turn that they are becoming this, like, multi-million dollar variety show where you either have to have singing and dancing, you have to have a vaudeville comedian... You have to have some sort of public service announcement. Uh, I just want someone to just, like, cut through the noise. I've made this point before. Just cut through the noise. Like, hey, you like milk? Here's some milk. Go buy some. I just think it's <laughs> it's so generous of you to take a leave of absence from being the mayor of that town in Footloose to come make this podcast with me. Um, like <laughs> that. Thank you. There's really. nothing wrong with dancing. I, I feel like I have the rhythm in me. But yeah. <laughs> it's just... Everyone is dancing at every, like, I have nothing, I, I'm, 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 I'm not <laughs> the reverend from Footloose, but I might be the mayor from Chicago in the Ferris Bueller era, where it's like, do we have to stop traffic <laughs> for a fucking dance number in the middle of the streets? They already, they already had stopped traffic. There was already a parade happening there. They just all decided oh. to start dancing instead of parading. That wasn't upsetting anyone's day. Ferris Bueller <laughs> made those people happy. 
Landon, I'm going to run into the middle of this podcast and scream, let's dance to like prove my point. <laughs> Dear God. Okay. Tangent over. Okay. <laughs> let's get back to the, let's get back let, to the regularly scheduled. Let, let's, yeah, let's just keep dancing. Um, the principal is so enamored of this baby doll that she uh, kisses Scott Calvin under a piece of mistletoe that he conjures out of thin air using the last of his magic. And from there, then, they go back uh, They go back to her place, which we find out when Charlie and his friends show up and throw snowballs at her house and then hide and then hear Tim come out, or Scott Calvin for that matter, and start hollering at them to not do that anymore and then goes yeah. back inside without trying to find them. Well, uh, and, and an important undercurrent of this is when right before she kisses him, she's in awe of, how did you know? How did you know uh, that what everybody wanted? How did you know that this is the baby doll that I've always wanted. I never told anyone that. And he's kind of debating whether or not he should tell her that he's Santa Claus. And once they get back to the house, he does try to explain that to her. And she's like, okay, time to go <laughs> get, get out of here. It, and then that is what gives me such whiplash is that this movie needs them to get together lightning quick. So just because of how, you know, where we're at in the runtime. But then almost as soon as it gets them together, it needs them to split up because they need that like turn right. in the B plot. So it so she she sees like th this man who, by the way, when she first meets him, he is heavy set and has a beard. By the time he shows up at the uh, like he's been losing weight steadily and shedding facial hair like he's been getting smaller and less hairy. I think it's called shaving. Shaving. Okay, fine. He's getting getting shavier <laughs> from uh, from uh, each time that she sees him. So he's already shrunk to the point that she asks him at one point, are you doing all right? Are you feeling okay? And <laughs> right. so that, he shows up at her, her house with a horse-drawn sleigh and takes her to a work party where he conjures presents out of midair and then yeah. as well as a sprig of holly. And then when he tells her later, hey, I'm Santa Claus. You know how I was doing all that Christmas magic stuff? Well, the funny thing is, it's because I'm Santa Claus. That's why those things happened. And she's just like, She's so mad at him, and she thinks that he is <laughs> playing a joke when it's like, no, if I were her, my mind would have been blown by all of these things. I wouldn't know what's down and what's up. Him saying, I'm Santa right. Claus, would be a piece of, like, that would be a port in a storm for my battered uh, psyche that I could latch onto. Like, okay, <laughs> Santa is real. Magic is real. This man is Santa. Thank you. I, I can rest at last, but... No. Well, yeah, this I don't want to keep repeating to the same point, but you're you're illustrating it very well where it's like that subplot has a built-in arc to it that is completely satisfying as a narrative, right? Yeah. Like Christmas is going to end if he doesn't get Santa Claus or uh, uh the Mrs. Claus. Mm -hmm. So okay, we've got a Santa Claus romantic comedy on our hands with with a ticking timer attached to it. Yeah. We, let, let's let that play out. Let's let that be the movie. We don't also need this unnecessary threat of, oh, yeah, also toy Santa is, you know, turning into a dictator and threatening the lives of the elves. Yes. Like, it's just unnecessary clutter that is taking away, I think, from the effectiveness of the, the love subplot and... Yeah. Yeah. Some of the more touching things that can happen in this movie. Charlie takes a back seat yet again oh. to this whole fucking thing. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it, he Charlie also has supposed like 
there's this whole thing. There's this girl who's with him when he's first rappelling into the school to spray paint, and then he's like, there's this moment between him and Scott later after Scott has moved back in where he talks about there's this girl I like, and I get this feeling in the pit of the stomach, and I want to kiss her, and then goodbye basically i think she's with him when he throws the snowballs we never see her again she is just i guess it all works out this it's one of those cases where a teenager who's having problems in his life just kind of works everything out on his own you know how that happens right (laughs) right you know how you know how young men just spontaneously self-actualize at a young age it's it's great how (laughs) how that happens well i I, listen uh, you know i brought a theory up in the the first santa claus thing uh maybe maybe i bring it back up here i mean uh, I won't the, the it, idea no. was that he needed, uh, you know, it was kind of the the Twilight Zone thing where the kid had magical mental powers and and manifested his father as Santa Claus to compensate for, you know, to imprison his father in this way that he's always going to be attached to him, um, uh, and making him a magical being to to justify his neglectfulness, uh, to give him a higher purpose, um, here. You know, he doesn't need Santa anymore, so, like, Santa's kind of stopping existing. He needs wow. stability. He sees that uh, Lucy is, you know, the, the daughter of Neil and Laura, has a full family. <laughs> Maybe he's like, yeah, I need my dad to have a full family, too, and so he's manifesting this whole story. It's it's echoes of, of Toy Story 2, basically, the forgotten toys that the kid no longer needs or plays yes. with. Yeah, uh, and then the toy gets passed on to a younger generation, and everything's okay. There you go. Uh, spoiler alert for the Toy Story movies, I guess. Uh, again, always oh, so man. effective to do it after the fact. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he has been kicked out by his lady love, and uh, then that when he returns home despondent, that is when Curtis arrives to tell him that Toy Santa has gone all Hitler. <laughs> I hate it when people go Hitler. That's just, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, some people say go Hitler or go home, and I say go home. Never, under any circumstances, should you go Hitler. A hundred percent. Touching a little too closely on. I, I, I don't know. I, I I haven't I haven't been on the internet or turned on a TV in like a, a couple of years. I'm just sitting here listening to uh, some great rap albums. Um, oh boy. Oh boy. Pause for edit point. Um, so. The mistletoe was the last piece of magic that Tim had, uh, yeah. so he can't get back to the North Pole. And when he learns of the the Santa, you know, the toy Santa taking over, he n- suddenly is like, "Well, uh, Comet's too fat. We can't go. How do we get back?" And uh, he's like, "Well, don't we know anyone else that can help us?" And Curtis, who has arrived uh, on his jetpack, which also has run out of fuel, yeah. Um, says well we do know someone and then they proceed to try to yank one of tim's teeth out of his mouth (sighs) this is body horror this is awful (laughs) awful string string to his tooth to a doorknob slam the doorknob it flings off and hits him in the head uh instead of taking his tooth out tie the tooth to a toaster drop the toaster from a great height the toaster apparently is heavy enough that it pulls Tim over the railing, and he uh, slides down the stairs like it's fucking stepfather movie. The, the, the toaster, um, the toaster that is light enough for a uh, noted girly man Judge Reinhold to hold <laughs> is is not too heavy. But then he drops it, and then it becomes heavy enough to yank Tim Allen over the edge. Also, what's with his teeth? Is this is a Santa power having the strongest teeth in the world? Can you like so. bite through metal like in that James Bond movie? I, I I don't know what that is. 
<laughs> Santa Jaws. Yeah, so, oh, oh man, Landon, get, quick, get, get out the typewriter. I got an idea. <laughs> Put on a pot of black coffee. Um, Christmas, Christmas is only 12 days away. Uh, so, yeah, so they're trying to, uh, but then ultimately uh, his um, his ex-wife's daughter, uh, what, Lucy? Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she pulls a, uh, she comes in and says, oh, no, oh, dad, I just, I, I just lost a tooth. Can I put it under my, my <laughs> pillow for the, uh, for the, the tooth fairy? And yeah, I was just visited by the angel called Deus Ex Machina. Now, I'm going to do you one better. This, we're going to go into Kirstie Corner, where I tell you jokes that my girlfriend came up with while we were watching it. Uh, she pointed to the screen and said, that's what I call a dentist ex machina. So, we... <laughs> Which which one which one do you prefer? You be the judge. Sound off in the comment section and let us know. Uh, <laughs> I concede. I concede. Um, it, yeah. So they. So and I think I I, you know, wipe wipe my brow and think. Oh, thank God, we don't have to have any more characters yanking teeth out of their own head. <laughs> uh, but I was wrong. Um, <laughs> but so the tooth fairy <laughs> arrives and they ambush him and are uh, they have they attempt to convince him Scott is trying to convince him no I'm Santa I don't look like him but I'm Santa and the tooth fairy says to him I know Santa Santa's a friend of mine and you sir are no Santa and if you heard that and thought wait is that a reference to the 1980s presidential debate between Dan <laughs> Quayle and Lloyd Benson uh, you're correct sir <laughs> it is. <laughs> Enjoy the movie, kids. Uh, no notes. No, no notes. I know. I get like. Listen, you you say some some stuff about Giallo movies, and I have no response. I have to, you know, I have to give as good as I can get. Um, but he is then able to finally, like, by telling the Tooth Fairy about the different names he was suggesting, the Tooth Fairy realizes it's him, and he flies them to the North Pole. He does. Yeah. Along the way, we get a shot of them flying down the street, and Curtis is dragging behind them on a, a string of Christmas lights, just banging into cars and trash cans. And it's just kind of kind of unsettling to see a child getting dragged <laughs> through the streets and conked on the head and have a garbage can on his face. It's it, you know, it's it's funny, but it's also just a, you wouldn't see that now. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention anything about the Santa Clauses. Okay, um, okay, exciting. We, uh, yeah, so, okay, we, we've we got all the elements in play here for the big finale. Uh, the Tim and Carol and Curtis, they've arrived back at the North Pole to face off with, uh, with, with Dictator Santa, about to take hold of everything with uh, his toy soldier army. I, I, I should, I should point out, it is first just Scott, and Curtis, who go back, they are immediately oh, captured. Right. I'm sorry. And then once they have been tied up, uh, that is when uh, uh, Charlie rappels down into the North Pole to free him Mission along Impossible with Carol. <laughs> yes. And that is where then Char like it's like, how did you get here, Charlie? And he just smiles at them and shows that he is missing one of his front teeth, implying that, yes, this boy is so desperate for his father's approval that he ripped a tooth out of his head in order to summon a magical creature to take him to the North Pole. Horrifying. <laughs> Just, those teeth don't come that, back, Charlie. When you put it You're like that, 15. it sounds like a, it sounds like a Guillermo del Toro movie. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, um, it's, it's pretty rowdy. I mean, I guess I'm glad that, 
I'm glad that they save Christmas. Imagine you do that to yourself and Christmas doesn't get saved. Man, you'd feel like a dick and you would whistle every time you tried to say a hard consonant. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's... So that that is that is how they you know bad Santa has tied them up and then gone off to go deliver coal to all the children and that is how uh, Santa uh, you know Scott is a Santa Scott is able to get loose and free the elves and start the revolution, <laughs> right? Uh, and you know silliness ensues. The the, whoop, 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 oh, whoop, the whoop, whoop. That's the kind of silliness we're getting. <laughs> Is that the sound effects of silliness? Well, that's like every time a toy soldier gets smashed or disassembled by a crowd of children with drills or kicked in the face and covered with silly string, it kind of falls apart and goes... Yeah, like it, it, They make goofy honk-honk noises, you know? You know what I mean? You know what kind of noises I'm talking about, folks? I do. I do. Yeah, you heard about when this? You, you heard about like these that. noises? Uh, so they're doing all of that. They're taking care of the toy soldiers while Tim... Hops on um, Chet. We didn't talk about Chet. <laughs> Not much to say about Chet. What, what if what if a, what if a reindeer was spunky? What if Scrappy Doo <laughs> was a reindeer? <laughs> same 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 gibberish, but just a new attitude, basically. And no. Here's farting. a question I have though. Yeah. Is we have we have the reindeer. Yeah. All of them, except for Rudolph. Yeah. Why are we introducing Chet? I, I was curious about that. When I heard, you know, when when Chet is making his dramatic entrance, I was expecting, okay, when we see this thing, it's going to have a red nose, and then it didn't. And it's like, you're you're leaving money on the table. You've got Cupid and the yeah. Tooth Fairy in this movie, but not Rudolph the fucking red-nosed reindeer. You, you introduced Derpy Chet instead of Rudolph. <laughs> is, there, is there a song about Chet the reindeer that was really popular in the 50s that we don't know about? <laughs> No, it was really popular in 2002 after this movie. I, I, yes, I, I, I guess so. We look the the nation Sung needed to Hansen. heal. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, Chet, Chet shows up to to help uh help Tim catch up to uh, Toy Santa who has already flown off on the sleigh, and 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 uh, Scott has to stop him before he can get out of the ice dome covering the uh the North Pole. Yeah, there's a chase ensues in the air in the ice dome, and. It- goes real john ford stagecoach for a while with tim jumping on the reins of the deer and then hopping one back after another to get back onto the sleigh and then he's hanging on by his uh his it's fingertips gripping. and Gri- gripping as you can tell just just edge yep, of your seat just lots I, of lots of things flying around real I, like half second shots with 80 yard one-liners it's it, it's it's funny bad. because because bad Santa toy Santa is heckling Scott the entire time and and yes they are def- eighty yard line this is just they got Tim Allen in the booth for an hour and just said just say mean stuff this is what you're good at but at one point <laughs> uh, toy Santa yells at Scott you are a sad strange little man which is a line from Toy Story <laughs> so it's just he's it doing it's not even fitting. No, it's not. No, I mean it. Like it would make as much sense if he if he goes like, ah, I don't think so, Tim, or something like that. <laughs> like I'm sh- I'm shocked he doesn't tool man grunt. In, I don't think in so, this. Santa. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's that, and uh, the uh, I. 
Yeah, and then oh yeah, what well, happens? The, does does Toy Santa win? Does do all the children get coal? No, no, the children don't get. Coal. I mean, wouldn't it be fucked up if they did? Uh, no, they they crash the sleigh <laughs> back into the into the ground and kind of kind of bold in two thousand two to have an airborne object crashing into a populated area. I'm just you know I <laughs> yeah big trouble got delayed for less than that, but uh, they the the they they get you know. Toy Santa is knocked out and they put him back into the the shrinky machine to to deal with him and then Scott has to run out and deliver all of the toys but then he's reminded and he's got Carol at his side she's helped out in all of this he is reminded by his elves wait you have to get married it's Christmas Eve this is your last chance and this is the first time Carol is aware of oh I, I have to I, I have to marry you this guy who who showed up on my doorstep for our first date that I didn't even know was going to happen like three days ago, seemingly they do more, not more than have that a long courtship. I have to marry Santa Claus. Like, yeah, Truman, if mother Teresa arrived on your doorstep and like started courting you for a couple days and then all of a sudden <laughs> said, Hey, I got to marry you. Yeah, I've got to I've got to marry you. It's your choice, but if you don't, all of my orphanages will catch on fire with the children still inside them. Like Right. So yeah, you, what, what'll an be? icon of time and space is asking you to to marry them. Like it's it, marriage is secondary to the idea of I'm having a romantic relationship with Santa Claus. <laughs> Hey, so uh, it's me, Jonas Salk. Um, if you, like, uh, listen, <laughs> you can choose whether or not you marry me, but if you don't marry me, I don't think that polio vaccine is going to happen, so there will be millions of dead kids on your conscience. <laughs> it, Which brings me to the question, is this marriage an abuse of power? I th- <laughs> Thank you. That Everyone who's listening, you could have just skipped to this point. This is the meat of the episode. <laughs> I really think it is. Like, it's this... It, I, I don't know. The movie goes out of its way to try and shoehorn in a romantic plot between them when really what this is is like this is this is like a medieval style strategic marriage. This is a this isn't about love. This is about property law and and <laughs> yeah. uh, estate law. <laughs> we we call it marriage, but really it's ownership and you have none of it. <laughs> you have to like and also he he pretty much he pretty much says to her uh you know uh, like I'm I'm asking you to leave behind everything at home, but I guarantee you this place will always be worth it. So he makes clear whatever life you had back home, and admittedly, she does not seem to have any family or friends or children or anything like that, which, great, cr- clean break. Just, you easy. know, an independent job, you know, she's an independent woman taking care of herself with a, you know, job that she's worked for her entire life and moved yes. up the ranks of being an educator into... Uh, yeah. facilitator of, of education across an entire school responsible for thousands of kids over generations of, of time and uh, delivering education to public school. Yeah, yeah, you know, and also on top of that, she's also quite beautiful, uh, but there are no other suitors. <laughs> I'm sure has her no own exes. interests and hobbies. Yeah, pre- yeah. Presumably, aside from liking Christmas a whole lot. Um, and it's like, also, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, she likes this guy. Sure. It's like, okay, things are, you know, things are going well. He seems interesting. He's kind of sweet, but, uh, the, 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 she then is immediately put in this position of like, oh, well, we had, we had a nice date and we kissed once. Uh, do you, uh, do you want to get married? Oh, I guess we also fought a bunch of fascist toy soldiers. Uh, 
And also, it's not fair to ask her to make a lifelong commitment when in the past 24 hours she's learned Santa is real, he's my boyfriend. I know. And I just, oh, and there's also an evil version of him that we have to defeat. Like, that's, she's processed a lot. I mean, it's just, it sucks. Everything about this is designed to pressure her. It's beyond coercing, I think. Yeah. It is an interesting, and I mean, fortunately, she's on board with it, though. She seems to be, I, I guess you don't have much choice. I mean, he, he tells her. <laughs> yeah, what, it, <laughs> what a turn this movie would take if it's just like end of, you know, Fellowship of the Rings, where she's like, I don't think so. Yeah. Cut the black. <laughs> we'll see you next year for Santa Claus 3. Although, I mean, honestly, if if that was the ending, then I would be like, okay, well, I'm I am now I understand the need for an escape clause. Like now I understand what the third movie is going to be about. <laughs> the, the escape clause is for her. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, well then then I'm then I'm on board for that too. I guess either way, I'm hooked. Now it's like this poor woman is is trapped. All she wanted was for Christmas to not go away, and she had to make the ultimate sacrifice. Seriously, um, yeah. Uh, One thing that was, so she does say yes, and they get married, and one of the most unintentionally funny moments of this movie is Charlie is watching and smiles, and he's got his tooth back, and he looks the other way, and there's just this, like, crest blinding white gleam that pops off his new tooth. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even notice that. Wait. It was so so stupid. Wait. So, wait. His dad getting married made his tooth grow back. Yeah. Just like, he's got a Christmas spirit tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, and so so that, and also that's what fixes all of his problems in his life. Like every time he's about to do yeah. graffiti, he just runs his tongue over that tooth and he remembers, no, there's a better way. <laughs> I, I, it's, now that, now that is a dentist ex machina. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. Couple, oh, and also, do you want to do some a little bit of odds and ends, or do you want to? You I, have more for that scene. No. Let's let's do odds and ends. What? Let's wrap this up. We've been talking about this movie for longer than the movie, and I always it's hate true. when we do that. We always but, do that. But we always have a good time. We always have a good time. Um. Okay. Uh. Toward the end. Uh. The tooth fairy, after rescuing everyone, there's a little bit of you know just kind of a side. He's you know at the wedding, kind of talking to someone. And um, Tooth Fairy's given out, like, dental advice, like, mm-hmm. don't forget to floss and brush your teeth. Isn't that counterintuitive to his very existence? Well, what? To, well, to, well, no, because, like, kids lose their teeth, like, for normal reasons. Like, he's he doesn't want the kids to uh, to have poor dental hygiene, because if they're losing teeth because of that, also the teeth that he's transporting are going to be all rotten and nasty and gross. He wants a pristine tooth. Okay, that's a good point. But, I mean, I think we're robbing ourselves of a, a larger franchise opportunity with the Tooth Fairy movies if he did promote bad dental health and then he was taking the tooths of adults as well. No, but I would I would like to see, I think that would be that would be a very good dark spin on, uh, you know, that, that, that goes for the more mature adult audience that, that no longer have any baby teeth. Yeah, he became, he's, Tooth Fairy is kind of a darker figure. Like, he's, he's encouraging, you know, um, tooth decay. In adults, maybe maybe he's like the more decayed the tooth, the more uh, the more power he has. Look, more power. I'm gonna make you believe in the tooth fairy by stealing your teeth with bad dental advice. I mean, the the tooth fairy is an inherently scary concept because it's like, what's this guy doing with all these teeth? 
Like, what, like where's he taking <laughs> them? Another, Where do they gets, go? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I mean, yeah, like, you know, there's the, there's the North Pole, which is all fun and whimsical, and there's the Tooth Fairy's house, which is just just teeth. Just Made millions of, teeth. of tiny teeth. Everything he has a he has a, a tooth dining room with a tooth dining table and a tooth chair that he, he sits in and drinks from his tooth mug. He's like Scrooge McDuck. Just he's got a room full of just little teeth that he swims in. He goes skiing <laughs> down a, a, a tooth a tooth slope. Oh my god, this is horrifying. And and all the clocks in his house are set at one time. And you get you you bet it's uh, it's two thirty. You know. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> that. Would be a detail that would make me laugh, though. Yeah, it, it didn't make you as laugh. As long as now. it didn't call itself out. Yeah, exactly. No, it would be very understated in the in the demure, mature, um, hard R-rated Tooth Fairy movie. Be be ready for it. Um, <laughs> Again, added to our pile of scripts. Uh, so I, there's some there's some 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 gags, some jokes in the credits. Basically, basically people dancing. Um, oh man! But why is there so much dancing, Truman? <sighs> why is there so much dancing? <laughs> uh, Look, look, dude. Uh, just put on your Sunday shoes, okay? Um, <laughs> but they they have they they go from just people randomly dancing to then a row outside of a discount shop of dancing toy Santas of the type that uh, Curtis is playing with at the beginning of the movie. That's making the Christmas songs play when the plane is flying over, and we see that yep. one of these dancing Santas is the shrunken down toy Santa who has his like feet pasted to this pedestal and is standing there haranguing the other Santas which are all mechanical for their poor dancing and is trying to show them better dancing and I found that a very enjoyable send off for our man toy Santa <laughs> uh, agreed and uh, unfortunately we never see him again yes um, oh presumably he's roaming the real world uh, sentient <laughs> and able to kind of toy story his own way through his own story I mean, and listen, this is a this is a critique that goes back to my critique of Merlin in Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonders on Mystery Science Theater. If you're going to put pure evil into a child's toy, why are you going to take it to the real world where it might fall into the wrong hands? I mean, again, another <laughs> horror movie that can come out of this. There you go. Um, this movie felt like it was three hours long. Uh, yes. This movie f- felt like the runtime of this episode on this movie. I... I, I I for I, you know I paused the movie, th- thinking, oh god, okay, we're we're like we're like in the last third, right? And it was forty one minutes, and I thought, fuck. Um, <laughs> to to Disney's discredit, though, there is like five minutes of translation credits at the end of each thing, so it, it all of the runtimes do feel padded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Th- but you know, but all the all the people of Switzerland are so lucky because they can understand <laughs> uh, the Santa Claus too without having to read any subtitles. Very well. I'm not going to complain about that. But the the, the, um, the, the, sub, the subtitles would block your view of uh, of of Comet's butt as it farts. So <laughs> I you can't miss that. You miss the the core the core art of the film. <laughs> Even though that's not, uh, do, do you know, like when you watch uh, Netflix, they have the the sounds and brackets. Yeah. <laughs> do they put the sounds and brackets in different languages, even though it's not an actual language? I mean, I think I think they'd have to. Hear, hearing impaired Europeans need to know that that, that they yeah. need to know that comet's farting. Comet flatulence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, comet flatulence is. Honestly, a fairly good descriptor for the kind of trail of ice and space debris that follows along behind comets when they're visible uh, in our atmosphere. So, Landon, what else do we do? Yeah. Have we got anything else? 
I do have one more thing. Uh, it started at the beginning of this movie and it ended in the credits of this movie. Is it the movie? Um, it's in, <laughs> it's indicative of the time. Um, pop punk just Im- made me cringe immediately. Mm-hmm. It, like mm-hmm. I just immediately puked. I had puke, cringe puke. Oh, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know you hate that. I, I, well, listen, but yeah, look, it's it's cringe. Nothing is more cringe than puke. Uh, yeah, that it was it was a whole it was a whole mood going back to that. Uh, I was honestly surprised there wasn't more than what we got. Uh, yeah, but it it opened the movie and it ended the movie, and uh, in between, I forgot about it. So when it hit me again at the end, I was like, "Bleh, mm, go." Uh, that's not a fan. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's it's called it's called a framing device. The the framing device for this you know for some movies it's a storybook or narration. Uh, in this movie, it is yeah. pop punk music. Let's let's wrap up by saying you know, um, I, I, listen, you're gonna watch this whether or not you want. If you haven't already, you're. You don't need us to decide whether or not you're going to watch it, but there, you probably have seen it already. I mean, if you were a kid yeah. at some point since 2002, I never saw. It. This is my first time watching it. I yeah. should have said that at the beginning. I'd never seen this. Look, mine as well. This is all of these movies are are my maiden voyage mm-hmm. with uh, the Santa Claus. But you know, maybe, well, I, maybe I had a normal. long history with the first one, but this one was like I was. Uh, 20 when this came out so it was like i really and i don't think i was dating anyone at the time so like i literally had no reason to see this <laughs> you weren't you weren't trying to to mack on any fine honeys in the back row of the santa claus too you weren't that, that I, I was, sexy movie <laughs> i was trying definitely not at the movie this movie but uh unsuccessful and so i don't know, maybe maybe i should have tried at this movie and um you know would have got some of that mrs claus yeah, a magic on me. You you ki- you kiss the girl during uh during the Santa Claus too, and then you whisper in her ear, "Hey, you have to become Santa Claus now." And I mean, it works. <laughs> it works every time. That's what the that's what the ladies want. I guess so. That that, so, that I, I don't know that book of the game. That's just like the whole every chapter oh, is God. just like why women want to be told that you are Santa Claus. Go look it up. It's real. Not not gonna even comment on that. Um. So I. Uh, my feelings on this are like there's a lot here that I actually enjoyed. Um, the the sum is not greater than the individual parts, though. Yes. Uh, I I think split into two films, it would have been much stronger. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but I do like both parts uh, individually. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the movie about about fascist Santa, and I like the movie about Santa trying to date, and I just wish that both movies had the chance to be their own movie. I think the fascist Santa movie could probably be a decent short film too. I maybe it doesn't need a whole, you know, a whole hour and forty five minutes. Uh, well, I don't know. We we can crack that open next week. Um, yes. The uh uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I kind of I. I enjoyed my time, but I do wish it went a little faster. That's, yes, that's my my wrap up of it. Well, well, look. the The good news is that uh, tomorrow I get to wake up and put on Santa Claus Three and uh, go on the whole journey, and then um, guess... you know, and then we get to talk about it again. This is a, a slow burn surprise. That's right. We're doing Santa Claus Two and Three, as we've alluded to a number of times in this episode, without explicitly saying so. Yeah, not really um, a surprise. Not not too much of a surprise, but. 
do we? I mean, it'll be long after Christmas at this point, but we also have Christmas with the cranks, and I'll be home for Christmas that we didn't do. Oh, God. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. We're so out of sync with holidays on this show anyway. How many times do we celebrate Halloween every year? Um, I know. As soon as we get back to main episodes, we're going to be celebrating Christmas with the Taylors. So, oh, boy. Well, great. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for all these different Tim Allen Christmases. He really did become the king of Christmas, didn't he? He certainly did, uh, and I'm I'm glad that he didn't, like, no one pushed for him to replace, like, Coca-Cola Santa. <laughs> like, we don't need Tim as Santa in perpetuity. Yeah, we, we don't need we don't need Tim as a polar bear clutching a, a bottle of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Truman, what do you say we get out of here? Uh, we also don't need Tim Allen making a Christmas uh, music album. Yeah, let's get out of here. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's secret special bonus episode and want to help us create even more secret special bonus episodes, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts because it's the easiest, fastest way to support us and it helps people find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Instagram at gruntworkpod. Or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And until next week, when we bring you another episode of Ho... Wait a minute. Oh, bring another episode of Ho, 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 more like. Ho, Ho, Ho. We'll see what happens next week. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, Christmas is a beautiful thing that lives inside all of us, but mainly exists in the laughter of children on a snowy day and lets us know that it's okay to not think of an outro joke and just try to come up with one on the fly. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is a beautiful thing.